0: Not a long time ago that it's much easier to control people when we're all watching the same TV shows, listening to the same radio stations, going to the same movies, looking at the same billboards, eating the same food, and speaking the same language. The freedom of speech is being taken away. We don't
1: care if it's true. Just say it, sell it. Anything you practice, you'll get good at.
2: Including BS. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you. Those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show. A place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light. No matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Oh yeah, live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search "End of Days," and you can find the podcast rendition there, or go to MichaelDeacon.com for further help. Now, joining me here tonight is Jim Fetzer, a former Marine Corps officer. He has published widely on the theoretical foundations of scientific knowledge, computer science, artificial intelligence. Cognitive Science and Evolution and Mentality. And, of course, on the second half of this great program, the return of Mike Hideous. What an incredible lineup is in store for all of you. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Hello, everyone out there. Thank you to those here in America and those outside of America for your great support. It's been one incredible week yet again. Pat yourselves on the back. We survived yet another hellacious week on this violent world here. Amazing. It's truly incredible how the time you finish watching this very program here, a new tragedy will be plastered all over your television screens. It's really incredible how that works. I have so much on my mind. This will be a fun evening here. Jim Fetzer is my first guest. He's now ready to go. Let's bring him in. Jim, are you there?
1: I am, Michael, and I'm so pleased to be with you once again, especially at a turbulent time like this and in such close proximity to the midterm elections that are looming increasingly large in the nation's history.
2: So much going on around the world. You are the very first person, I thought, to call, and I'm so glad you can be here joining us, and I thank you sincerely for your time tonight, Jim.
1: Well, It's my great uh, pleasure, Michael, because the American people need to understand what's going on. So much of what is being broadcast over the Mockingbird media, and I say that quite deliberately because the CIA began infiltrating the media back in the 1950s in Operation Mockingbird such that by 1975, William Colby, then its director, was testifying to Congress that the agency owned everyone of any significance in the media, and where about two years later, Carl Bernstein confirmed his testimony with a significant article entitled The CIA and the Media in Rolling Stone, 22 October 1977, in which he explained that officials of the agency had boasted that their greatest successes had been with TimeLine, The New York Times, and CBS, In that era, Michael, if you controlled Time Life, the New York Times and CBS, you had a lock on the dissemination of news within the United States. And the situation only grew worse uh, where the – uh, the CIA, which has come to cooperate very, very closely with the Mossad so that we have this tremendously significant Zionist influence on our press. A recent review, for example, uh, gave a display of a hundred executives at CNN who were dual U.S.-Israeli citizens, a uh, uh, hundred more at uh, uh NBC, who are dual U.S. Uh, uh, citizens, a hundred more at the New York Times. So so you have this total domination of our media by a Zionist influence, where we know from Cynthia McKinney, uh, when new members of Congress arrive in Washington, they're asked to sign a pledge to put the interests of Israel ahead of those of the United States. Correct, yeah anyone who declines to do find themselves confronted with a well-financed alternative candidate or that their district has been redrawn and they no longer have a seat. In fact, Cynthia was able to overcome those obstacles and serve six or eight terms in Congress, but even as notable, a figure as Dennis Kucinich, whom I regarded as the smartest member of Congress, lost his seat after it was redrawn. In fact, Gary King, with whom I do a weekly JFK show about the latest research on JFK, uh, he, he and I and Larry Rivera, who's just published a new book called The JFK Horseman, about his extremely important demonstrations about the massive way in which the whole movies of the assassination were re-edited to conceal the true causes of death. uh, uh asked me recently did I know how many members of the present Congress had refused to sign the pledge, and I had to confess I did not, and he held up one finger, exactly one member of the present Congress. So when you have the Congress so heavily under the influence of the Zionists, and frankly I regard the president's foreign policy today as essentially dictated by Bibi Netanyahu, He campaigned on a completely different policy. It was going to get us out of the Middle East to reallocate the trillions we were squandering there, which was doing no good for the American people. On, uh, you know, America rebuilding our infrastructure, strengthening our education and all that, he was also going to seek a detente to improve relations with Russia, than which I cannot imagine anything being more important. Uh, Right. He he has been so battered and bruised by traitors within uh, the deep state. These are members of the uh, FBI, the Department of Justice, who, who generated this whole Russia hoax things. Well, we know its deep roots had to do with uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, the DNC. They actually paid for the Russian dossier. There was a lot of collusion going on there to sabotage the Trump campaign. They got the FISA court to. Authorized warrants to spy on the Trump campaign based upon fabricated evidence tied to the Clinton Foundation, which they never acknowledged to the FISA court. We now have a completely brilliant expose of the whole sordid affair from Greg Jarrett, who himself has a legal background. He's an analyst for Fox, the book is called The Russia Hoax. Uh, and it's just thorough, devastating, very clearly written. I had independently done a huge amount of research in this area, determining that, in fact, the DNC emails, which were being published by WikiLeaks under the supervision of Julian Assange, had been downloaded by Seth Rich, who was the IT guy for the DNC. He was a Bernie Sanders supporter, disillusioned at the fashion in which the DNC, led by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, was sabotaging Bernie's campaign, including, for example, transferring 13 primaries that Bernie had won into Hillary's column to guarantee she would be the nominee. I recently interviewed on my own radio show called The Raw Deal, which is on Tuesdays and Thursdays on Revolution Radio Studio B. From... You're still out there, Jim?
2: Yeah. Okay, excellent. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure, so I'm glad you mentioned well, that. this
1: this is not Rents Radio. Rents and I had a party way back when. I was right, uh, right, talking right. about Parkland and explaining how it was an elaborate PSYOP, how they sent the students home at 1 p.m., which was discovered by Sane Progressive, uh, by reviewing all the aerial footage and finding there were only about three dozen students actually at the school when they had an enrollment of 3,500. So it ought to have been the case, Michael, that there were hundreds of videos and photographs, but they were virtually nonexistent. Among the only I have seen is a 52-second video from LiveLeaks, which is inside a classroom, and you can hear a couple of the female students trying to do their best to cry as though they were in fear. But they're, they're not too fearful to be unconcerned about their bottled water. Uh, one's on her iPod. A kid is pulling his butts. You look on the floor, and there's what's supposed to be a body, but in fact it's a training dummy. It has no arms and no head. Right. There are persons in police uniforms rushing in and out, Michael. But the rafters are not cops because Parkland gave up his police force in 2004 to save money.
2: By the way, Jim, Wait. I have to I have to stop you there before you you go on, and I have to tell you it, it's so good to finally speak to you here yet again, Jim. It's been a long time and. I always enjoy these episodes with you so much. It's almost like you are a long distance a relative of sorts, Jim. I could talk to you about anything here.
1: Well, I, for whatever reason, we have a wonderful relationship, Michael. I mean, it's all been via the internet. And in fact, that was the, uh, development that undermined the, the deep states control over the mainstream that uh, the, the Internet and the emergence of an alternative media, which now, approaching the midterm for the last year, especially accelerated in the last six months as social media giants, Google, YouTube, uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, have been cracking down on conservative voices and conspiracy research. So that, you know, I've had dozens of my videos taken down from YouTube. In fact, I've had to have them. Put up at, at sites that YouTube can't affect, such as BitChute, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E, or 153news.net. You can find rather large numbers of my videos at those locations, which are safe sites. In fact, people who have been interviewing me, uh, uh, Michael, have found themselves having their own videos taken down. In fact, yeah. Mike Adams, who was number two, uh, ranked number two most influential on the internet after Alex Jones, uh, discovered that an interview he'd done with me back in 2015 uh, about the banning of my first book, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, where I brought together 13 experts, including six current or retired PhD professors, and we established that the school had been closed by 2000. 2000- and aid. It was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards damaged by hurricanes. There was even a major flood in the area in 2007, uh, which seriously affected that area and the school. Yes. Uh, but that it was actually, there were no students there. It was a two-day FEMA drill where we even had the manual, which I included in the book, but uh, showing that there was a rehearsal uh, the day before the event went live on the 13th, uh that they had porta-potties already in place. They had boxes of bottled water and pizza at the firehouse. They had many there with name tags on lanyards. It was a sign, everyone must check in. Uh Parents were bringing children to the scene. Now, no parent would bring their child to the scene of a child shooting masks. Yeah, mass, who does that? It's, In this instance, Michael, it was a rehearsal and they were treating it as a festive occasion. It says right in the manual, everyone must check in. Yeah, by the way.
2: uh, By the way, Jim going back to what you were speaking of a second ago about channels being hit, my channel especially was demonetized and our episode Uh, we did, episode 69, that one doesn't even get uploaded. It's not permitted for whatever reason. Even if I leave the description blank, that episode is marked for life. As soon as I upload that thing, I I get hit with a strike, and then it gets taken down right away.
1: Well, Michael, yeah, send it to me and let me get it up on sites where it can't be hit. I will. You're suffering the same inequities as Mike Adams because – not only was he dumbfounded to find this interview we'd done from 2015, I mean, I'm talking about an event that occurred just this year, maybe six months ago, but it was taken down and his whole, his whole channel was taken down. I mean, he had over 1700 videos. He had 200,000 subscribers and it was all taken down. Now I was really tremendously impressed. When he got back up, although you know all the links had been severed and so forth, uh, as happened when they took down my my own website, which is a more recent occurrence. Yeah, they and took, did, they, they, they
2: took he, your blog down.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna address that. He 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 did another interview with me, and when he put it up, he actually used a description of me that he'd introduced at the end of our interview uh, as. Uh, the most dangerous mind in America interviewed on false flags and extreme censorship. And, you know, I mean, it was so admirable of him to do that because he was pointing out how, as you have experienced yourself, you're another illustration. Even those who simply interview me find they are hit and censored and suppressed. Uh, What we have now is that the social media giants have abandoned their neutrality, which was a part of the compact when they were originally created and, and entitled to serve as platforms for audios, videos, blogs, and so forth, on the model of being a library or, you know, a, a, a source that would facilitate, a video store, where you can come out you can rent videos or you can take out books and so forth, where, where they, although they were facilitating the access to this research really as an exercise of freedom of speech and freedom of the press by American citizens. They bore no liability, but now they have taken a political stance. They have been really wiping out. I mean, it's staggering the dimensions of this. Uh, uh, Those who are on the right saying anything at all favorable to Trump, they'll come after you. Anything at all exposing These various uh, fraudulent events, uh, whether it's Sandy Hook or the Boston bombing or or Orlando or Dallas or Charlottesville or Las Vegas or Parkland, where I've just now published, by the way, Michael, a brand new book about Parkland. That's a fascinating illustration because the whole thing, as I began to explain, was really done as a, a uh, democratic uh, uh, campaign event to justify the March for Our Lives, which would occur on the 24th of March, uh, based ostensibly on an event that took place on Valentine's Day. Uh, so it was about six weeks later, many have observed that's about enough time to organize a bake sale at a local church. But this involved tens of thousands of people, major acts by professional performers who were contributing their time and effort, ostensibly based upon the shooting at Parkland, which, as I began to explain, was a fabricated event. They actually used simulated ammunition. It's called simmunition which is made out of beeswax and laundry detergent. It won't even puncture the skin. It'll create a well. That's amazing. Totally, yeah, it's totally different than the effects of being shot with an AR-15, which, of course, is a, a high-velocity weapon with a small-caliber bullet, Uh which does tremendous damage to the human body, so that we had the medical miracles of a number of these students claiming they'd been shot in the body, in the torso, in the stomach, much less in the legs that they're alive and well and walking around within days of their purported shooting with only band aids on their wounds, which is preposterous I mean they wouldn't be walking at all they'd be dead and that's right had they, had they been shot by AR50 this is just a part of the whole charade It's where-
2: ridiculous yes and Jim by the way, I'm sorry to uh, ask you this but did you enjoy Halloween?
1: Did I enjoy a Halloween? <laughs> yes. Well, we, we have, you know, in the past years, my wife has even dressed up like a witch, for example, oh my for goodness. Halloweeners coming to the door, but in the, she recently <laughs> twisted her ankle. It was on crutches, but we did manage to have big bowls of candy to give out to trick or treaters oh, came perfect. to our door. I mean, perfect. we live at, we live in a small village south of Madison, Wisconsin. It's very pleasant. It's not even incorporated and in the, in the name of the village is Oregon. So it's turned out in the past when I've been interviewed for, for example, international news uh, shows to talk about the latest developments related to foreign policy, they'd say, identify me as from Oregon, which, of yes. course, led a lot of people to suppose I was from the West Coast, by mistake. I mean, they understand today, and now they'll say Madison But, of course, since I'm also retired from the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota, where I spent the last 19 years of my 35-year academic career, they have also, you know, had to sort out the difference between being uh, McKnight Professor Emeritus on the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota and residing in this small town or this village of Oregon, just south of Madison, Wisconsin.
2: Amazing. I just wanted to ask you about Halloween because out here, I live in a very small town, and there were no trick or treaters. Only one group actually knocked on my door.
1: Oh, really? I was well, surprised. We, we had probably twenty different uh, groups of one or more children come come to our door.
2: Oh, wow! Yeah, that's,
1: that's... very, very interesting, Michael. I, it, I was yeah. curious about the circumstances, and uh...
2: it, it's strange. I think it's it has a lot to do with the parents. They're very paranoid. They're scared and they're afraid who who knows what's going to happen to the candy that that's the first thing that comes to mind so pretty sure that well, we, the we always
1: only distribute you know professional package candy so no one's being exposed to anything that they don't have in a wrapper Right uh in fact, you probably know the whole business with all of our sealed containers for all medicines and so forth. It's really because uh Tylenol wanted to conceal the fact that they use cyanide in their in their products, and that uh they had a a malfunction you know they had a quality control failure, so that a couple of persons died from. Uh, Tylenol because of the lack of quality control. So they deliberately planted Tylenol packages with uh, heavy doses of cyanide to make it look as though it had been done deliberately by some monster when, in fact, it was actually the company covering itself from insurance claims and so forth. And it's led to a whole new industry of putting these uh, security covers on all of our medicines. And
2: Yeah, you never know exactly what you're getting, especially when you go buy vitamins.
1: Yeah, it's probably a good thing to have done, but the motives were, shall we say, impure. Right. Uh, uh, What we have had, I mean, Parkland has been a perfectly good illustration, therefore, uh, was setting up a fabricated justification for uh, what was really a Democratic Party voter registration drive in Washington, D.C. that garnered billions of dollars of free publicity. It turns out that have an event in Washington that closes any roadways, you have to begin the permit process at least 180 days in advance. That's six months in advance, Michael. So they were actually in the process of permitting for the March for Our Lives back in September and October. We even got confirmation from a metropolitan DC metropolitan police officer who'd been involved in the permitting process who let the cat out of the bag before he was reined in, before he knew he shouldn't be talking about the fact that they'd obtained the permit months in advance and that months more of prior planning had gone into it. Debbie Wasserman Schultz appears to have been the brains behind it. She was worried that with a trial of her IT her Pakistani IT guys whom she'd allowed to spy on Congress. Was coming and that she might, the Democratic party might lose as many as 11 seats in Florida. So they've taken any number of steps to counteract that, including these fabricated shootings, the the pipe bomb business coming out of of Florida. It turns out that, you know, the Parkland shooting was in Broward County. Well, there's a, a stunning article now from State of the Nation that you can find on my new blog, and let me just, you know, uh, temporarily interject what happened there. Yeah, go ahead. A a friend who was very far sighted said, you know, for sure I was going to be on their hit list. It was just a matter of time. So six or eight weeks in advance, this is going back a couple of months now, we began transferring the content of my old blog at jamesfetzer.blogspot.com to a new blog at jamesfetzer.org. And just as I came to put an announcement on the old blog that I was moving to the new, it was deleted. Oh, wow. Nothing there. Everything. I had 1,100 blogs, Michael. They were all gone with no notice, no warning, just disappeared. Fortunately, we had saved virtually all the content, which you can now access at jamesfetzer.org. Perfect. Now, if you were to go to jamesfetzer.org right now, you'd find I have a whole host of articles that are related to this. The one most importantly, uh, one, two, three, four, the fifth, Broward County operational headquarters for Israeli intelligence directed false flag operations and mass casualty events in America. In other words, there turns out to be a constellation of Israeli ops here in Broward County. They even give you a map for all of the headquarters they have. It's, it appears to be the greatest concentration in the country. And it's all being run out of there. The, these psyops, including Remarkable. Uh, the, the, yeah, the pipe bomber. I mean, that, that was a particularly ridiculous example because uh, of an, a, a stunt. And I can explain now why they are so careless about all of these things. It, it was a stunt. The, the bombs that were being mailed were non-functional. They were made out of plastic instead of pipe. That's the wrong. They weren't fused properly. They didn't have explosive components. They were full of sulfur. Here, here, here's, here are some of the key features we have discovered about them. Uh, there's no battery to fire a blasting cap. The wires go to both ends of the pipe, which is not how a bomb is built. The wire should be a pair to one end of the pipe to the blasting cap. Why mail a bomb with a timer? Uh, the, the supposed target opens a package and has hours in which to escape because it's on a timer. You know it should it should go off when it, it is it open. Why mail bombs to people who don't open their own mail? I mean, you got these former presidents, the Obamas, the Clintons. Secret Service opens their mail. It's all processed. In fact, as I understand it, anything package of this kind going through the mail is actually being X-rayed today, Michael. So the whole idea that this went through the mail is absurd. It
2: does sound very contrived once you break it down and you dissect the case and you see that the same faces almost appear yet again, Jim.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And, and look at, here's the clever psyop about it. That is the return address, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Well, Debbie Wasserman Schultz actually, I have no doubt, was involved Ah, in this. She she appears to be Mossad. uh, And these are Mossad ops. And it's very interesting why they are trying to disrupt things so severely. Whoever put it together didn't even remove the, the the thin plastic over the cover to make it more difficult to set the alarm and read. According to ABC, they were filled with sulfur, which is non-explosive. Associated Press reported the bomb sent to CNN was, in fact, harmless. Uh, one they show here in a photograph doesn't even have an alarm function. Why would Republicans do something that makes them look bad just ahead of the midterms? It was all completely absurd. And, in fact, the alternative media, which is so upset the deep state, was exposing, just as they had the Boston bombing, the very day of the Boston bombing, Michael, they had identified the perps. It was these Kraft International personnel wearing khaki trousers, black jackets, black baseball caps with a skull insignia, where the motto of Kraft is, violence does solve problems. You can see two of these perps moving toward a location where one of the bombs went off, wearing a black nylon backpack with a white square. The bomb that goes off was in a black nylon backpack with a white square. Then we have uh, f- photos and f- video of them rushing away, no longer wearing the black nylon backpack with a white square. They made a blunder when they uh, Photoshopped the brothers, the, the Serenov brothers, into the scene because – Not only did they have Tamerlan, the older brother, clean shaven, where I was contacted by his aunt, who's a formidable woman with a degree in law from Moscow University, who explained to me she knew they were Photoshopped because Tamerlan had a beard. And I asked, could she prove it? And she started sending me proof after proof after proof, a photograph. Tamerlan, lying in bed with his cat. He's got a beard, a link to a gymnasium where he and Zoker were working out shortly before the marathon. He's got a beard. Uh The day of the bombing, it, he received contact from a friend, relieved to discover they'd been nowhere in the area. They had dinner together that night. He had a beard. Uh the, There is convenience store footage of Zoker inside Camberlin out when they were pursuing them the following day. He has the beard. He is arrested in Watertown, stripped naked and put in the back of a police car. He has a beard. The next time he shows up, he's got a huge gash in his side. He's very, very dead, but he still has that beard. Now, one of the absurdities of the official stories is that Zoker is supposed to have run over his brother in a black SUV uh, uh, when he was trying to make an escape. But once he was taken into police custody, there was no opportunity for that to happen. And in fact... We have a witness who reported seeing Tamerlan run over three times by the black SUV, by police driving the black SUV, which is his own vehicle. But here's the camper. When they photoshopped them into the scene at the marathon, they neglected to give them black nylon backpacks. In fact, uh, Tamerlan is is wearing a much larger backpack that looks nothing like these really very neat almost square very uniform black nylon backpacks the FBI identified not only based on its investigation of the bombing but in the doc in the indictment for Zoker in court and Zoker himself is wearing a, a silver or gray colored backpack that doesn't look at all like the backpacks that actually exploded So that I asked a retired professor of law, John Remington Graham, by name, uh, what he thought was the most impressive evidence we had. And he explained to me it was that the backpacks don't match because that meant they didn't even have probable cause for an arrest, much less uh, to support an indictment or uh, a prosecution. In other words, there was no case there once you recognize the backpacks don't match. Of course, everything went forward. They used a woman who I regard as a complete fraud, her name is Judy Clark, to cover up these cases, to tie together the loose ends. Well, she formally pled Zoker, given Tamerlan's deceased, as uh, not guilty. In her opening statement, she said they did it, which meant the jury didn't have to wrestle with whether the evidence would have been sufficient to convict them, which obviously would not have been the case. Uh, so you have this complete fraud going forward. Uh, uh, Professor Graham was so troubled by this that he proposed submitting an amicus curiae brief to the circuit court that's reviewing the the appeal, uh, explaining that the backpacks don't match and offering, you know, photographic proof thereof. And he did so in the, in the name of three American citizens of whom I am the first identified in the, the, the brief, and he's explained to me he was fairly astonished because for the first time to his knowledge in American judicial history, the circuit court accepted the amicus curiae brief, which, which is going to exonerate Zulker. It shows that, you know, the prosecution and the defense counsel both had to know that the subject of the prosecution was not guilty of the offense committed. This is a gross breach of all kinds of principles that regulate the conduct of attorneys in the case. In fact, since Judy Clark is licensed in California, I submitted a formal complaint to the California board. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that it was rejected. Right. no, no, No good ground that I can tell, except that the deep state has infested... You know, so many aspects, so many institutions we have that are related to dealing with important violations of the law. Uh, But what has happened now is that the defense and the prosecution, aware that it's there in the files because it was accepted formally by the court, are just trying to ignore it. So he suggested to me submitting a motion that he had the opportunity to make an oral argument just to, you know, really to remind the court that evidence is there. And if he's able to testify, that's good because it won't be overly expensive. I've already volunteered to cover his transportation accommodations. And it will make the stunning point that this whole thing has been a kangaroo court, that it was done for political purposes, grossly embarrassing, in the hope that even uh, just a submission of the request of the motion that he make the oral argument ought to be sufficient to make the the case resolved in favor of the defendant, even if his own defense counsel isn't willing to pursue it. The court ought to just throw it out on the basis that there never was a case to be made against Zoker or Saranov. Now, we have a similar situation here with a pipe bomber because these pipe bombs are ridiculous. The alternative media... Uh, has, has cracked this case too. And you find, uh, they're talking about, showing photographs of here's one, uh, looks like a, a quart of maple syrup that has some wires and a watch strapped onto it with a priority mail from alt right to the Democrats, but it's spelled with a Z. Uh, it, here's another. It's a, a Rube Goldberg invention, all kinds of wires. It's stuff ridiculous everywhere. And, and it's from, uh, uh, white males at 1776 Mega Street winning not USA, <laughs> but Russia to, uh, uh, caravan migrants. Uh, you know, I mean, they're just parodying what's going on here and just, it sounds,
2: it, so it, it sounds ridiculous. And Jim, I, I definitely want to get your opinion on something else that went down over in Pittsburgh. And yeah, it, I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna go there, Michael. Okay, take my perfect. word for it. Before we turn in that direction, however, which is another fabricated event, yes, it's, it turns out that this, uh, uh, bomber, uh, actually had a van. Now look, I lived in Florida for five years. He resides in Florida. He's got a van that's just covered with stickers. All these stickers, a which lot are of very, stickers. very, very pro-Trump stickers. They're very colorful, very vivid. They cover all the windows. Now there are two problems here. I realized immediately, and I believe I was the first to note because I immediately went to AAA to check the law in Florida. I knew you could not have a vehicle lawfully on the road in Florida that had so many of its windows covered by
2: stickers. That's another thing I was just about to ask you. Really? Was there's the law. In the Florida. van, yeah, the van. Even in California, if you if if your van is plastered with that many stickers on the side, it becomes a bit of a hazard, and you will get pulled over for it. So the fact that he was never pulled over as far as i'm concerned it kind of reveals a bit there don't you say jim
1: of course he couldn't even drive to the gas station without being pulled over correct covered with stickers ridiculous like that. Here, here's the law in florida no person shall drive any motor vehicle with any sign poster or other non-transparent material upon the front windshield Side wings or side or rear windows of such vehicle, which materially obstructs, obscures, or impairs the driver's clear view of the highway or any intersecting highway. That's obviously violated here, grossly. But here's the other tell, uh, Michael. They're fresh. They look like they were put on yesterday. In fact, there's a, here's a, a wonderful tweet that was put up by a fellow who uses the handle Thomas Payne. Deep state operative. Shouldn't we try to fade these van stickers because of the Florida sun? They look brand new, deep state overlord. This is a rush job. Just put them on and make sure they're perfectly straight and put some on the passenger window to make it look legit. But, of course, it does look legit at all. I mean, uh, you cannot have a vehicle in Florida under that sun where the, these stickers don't get bleached out. The whole thing was just a joke. I mean, it's like a joke. Uh, and it's true of what's going on here in Pittsburgh with the Pittsburgh shooter, too. And I published now five or six blogs, I mean serious stuff, about the the Pittsburgh shooter uh, uh on my blog where you can just start. I just put up two of them today. That's uh,
2: jamesfetzer.org.
1: jamesfetzer.org. Just go on and start working backwards, and you, you're going to learn a whole lot about these events. This alleged uh, synagogue shooter was a – avid anti-Trump Nazi believed the president was controlled by Jews. Well, you know, i got to say, uh, I'm afraid that Trump's foreign policy is controlled by Isra- Israel, Zionists, who are Jews. Now, there are good Jews and there are bad Jews, just as there are good Muslims and bad Muslims and good Christians and bad Christians. So when I observe, that's right, these, are, these appear to be Talmudic Jews, in fact, sheriffs. Scott Israel, down there in Broward County, who kept four deputies out of the school, Michael, because they weren't snapped in on the fact it was a drill and might have shot some of the participants, he actually campaigned for sheriff as a Talmudic Jew. Now, the the Talmud is very different than the Torah of, of the Old Testament, the first five books. Uh, the Talmudic Jews believe in Jewish superiority. They believe that the other races are grossly inferior to the Jewish race and that they, in fact, only exist to serve, uh, the Jews. Uh, and you're entitled to lie to them, cheat, uh, steal, I mean, with impunity. It, it's a truly a revelation once you discover What's going on here with these uh, Talmudic Jews? Let, let me give you here some some actual passages you can find here in, in various uh, uh, components of the Talmud. If a Jew finds an object lost by a goy, non-Jew, it does not have to be returned. If a Jew murders a goy, non-Jew, there will be no death penalty. What a Jew steals from a goy, he may keep. Jews may use subterfuges to circumvent a goy non-Jew. All children of the goyim non-Jews are animals. The goyim are not humans; they are beasts. If you eat with a goy non-Jew, it is the same as eating with a dog. Even the best of the goyim should all be killed. Now, that's pretty disturbing stuff.
2: That's pretty dark.
1: Very, and there's a whole lot of it, and you can get some of the prime ministers like. uh Menachem Begin saying vile things about how, uh, uh, that the other human races are as inferior to the Jews as, as the animals are to the human races generally. He even describes other races as comparable to insects. And, and he's not the only, uh, Israeli prime minister to, to make these savage despicable remarks. Here's something else, by the way, I've discovered, and it's related to the caravan uh, approaching uh, the U.S., which is uh, very much organized, orchestrated. There's a wonderful interview just done by uh, the research director for Judicial Watch, which is one of the really important organizations we have in the United States is actually interested in covering the truth about these matters, Judicial Watch, where they actually went down a team of three of them, two of whom speak fluent Spanish, and discovered that like 98% of these migrants are men between the ages of 15 and 45. Now, there's a small number of women and children, and they're typically moved to the front of the of the group for the sake of taking photographs, in other words, for propaganda purposes. But the vast majority are, in fact, men. Uh, that they, This is a very organized event. I have myself obtained videos where you see the reason they're making such rapid progress toward the border is they are being bussed. Oh, they're yes. being loaded on enclosed bus uh, 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 trucks. Uh, they're also being loaded on fat, flatbed trucks. Uh, I have a video that runs a couple of minutes where you see a vast number of them being brought forward on trucks. They've been told what to say, uh, if they're asked, you know, what they're, what they're about, what they're instructed to say, this is not politics. This is about poverty. And they all say virtually the same thing. In other words, it's all rehearsed lying. And if you ask, you know, who's behind this? Well, some of them will hint or acknowledge that it's organized, but they won't say who's behind it. Where independent research has revealed that George Soros appears to be a key player who's behind this caravan coming up. By the way, and it, Jim, and it, and it appears they use a, an app. Right. I think it's called the What's It app to organize. What's
2: that? Right. And Jim, hold that thought really for one second. There is a caller here. Let's take their call really quickly. Mm-hmm. Caller, go go ahead. Hello, my name is Ron. Go ahead, Ron. Did you have a question for Big Jim here?
3: Yes, I was wondering if Jim is going to be in Dallas next week for Operation Classified.
1: You know, I wish I were going to be in Dallas for Operation Classified. I would be very eager to participate. I've done quite a lot on issues related to that conference. I will be in Dallas the following week. Uh, 17th, 18th, 19th, which precedes the observance of the assassination of JFK on the 22nd, which is a Wednesday. I'll be speaking on Sunday there, the 19th, about uh Operation Mockingbird alive and well today. So actually some of the themes I introduced here at the start of my conversation with Michael are ones on which I will elaborate on that occasion in Dallas. I wish I were going to be there, however, because it looks like this Operation Classified is going to be a very first-rate event. Yeah,
2: it's going to be a big event, and that's with John B. Wells. Right. Yeah, great guy, great host, an amazing event.
1: John's Uh, interviewed me on Caravan to Midnight several times. Uh, A few years back, he he had me on to address JFK, and he just asked me one question, and I spoke for three hours. (laughs) He liked it so much. Amazing. He put it up you know, to the public for free. Most recently, I did a lengthy interview about Parkland and why it matters. It was very thorough, going and detailed. I had the impression you was going to make that available to the public too, but it may be you have to be a subscriber to Caravan to Midnight to have access to that. It would be worth checking huh? out because it's probably the most extensive and detailed presentation I've ever done on Parkland, apart from, of course, now, we have the new book, The Parkland Puzzle how the pieces fit together uh, from moonrockbooks.com. This is just out. I wanted to have it out in time to make an impact on the midterm because that's the reason it was all orchestrated by the Democrats and to justify the March for Our Lives as a voter registration drive with billions in free publicity, as I've already explained.
2: The far liberal left is out of control, Jim. Go ahead, Ron.
3: I was going to also ask, have you spoken with uh, Wolfgang Halbig recently or at all about any of this? Because I happened to call – I called Wolfgang uh, several months ago and got to speak with him for about 45 minutes right before his wife got home. And, And basically the conversation got so heavy, he said, I have to get off the phone because my wife does not even want to even speak about this. We don't even discuss this. When she gets well, home, we just talk about something else.
2: Oh my and, goodness! And it was, yes.
3: it was, uh, and I clued him in uh, to what I had learned off of from, or rather from Field McConnell with Abel Danger, uh, and it was uh, about a whirlwind uh, forty-five minutes, and we went well, back and forth, and and Wolfgang told me that Robert Mueller was going to be the one that oversaw Sandy Hook, and I said, my quote was, "Oh my God." Okay, so when he told me that, I just kept spilling my head. And, and about that time that we were really into it, his wife came home and he said, I have to go. I just have to go. And I know well, that he is just pushed to the limit. Uh, well, uh, uh, but holy cow. Well, we've heard all this. Nonsense I don't know what else to say, but uh, that man Mueller. needs some help.
1: Pe- people ignore the fact that Robert Mueller was brought in by the Bush Cheney administration before 9-11. In order to keep the yeah. lid on. In other words, to not investigate 9-11. He was the head right. of the FBI at the time of Sandy Hook, and you know how much he revealed about the, the, the fabricated character of that event. He left the FBI after the Boston bombing. And, and once you understand, mm-hmm. you know, some of the events, some of the aspects of these events that I've already uh, been explaining, you realize this guy's a creature of the deep state. In fact, it it turns out there appear to be bona fide accusations, this is very sordid, by a woman who actually claims to have been raped by Robert Mueller. This is going to get us back into the Kavanaugh case because those were all fabricated allegations, but this appears to be legit. And because Mueller is a very clever guy, uh, what he appears to have arranged was for a woman who was posing as an attorney, Going public, giving an interview, claiming she'd been approached and offered tens of thousands of dollars to make a fabricated sexual assault case against Mueller. But what she was testifying to is all completely phony to create the impression that this was going on. So if someone heard about the real legitimate case, uh, that they would think it was fabricated. It turns out this woman was a, a creature of fiction, just like the children at Sandy Hook. She went on television, she gave didn't a name, show up, right? another show, correct? The, the firm she claimed to be working for has no knowledge of her existence. It was all fabricated as a propaganda piece. Now, now one reason they get away with so much of this is that they're not, uh, they take for granted the gullibility of the American public. And when they have the, the media so much under their control, they'll simply take up these stories, no matter how fantastic they may be and, and promote the politically uh hard aspects of it that are critical, in particular in this instance of Donald Trump and his administration. Uh, they may know better, but for the most part, they don't even bother to investigate because they're reading from a script. By the way, he's now, not
2: very popular with course. the Pentagon. That's something I, I want to <laughs> get across to everyone, because I did talk to Lieutenant Colonel Robert Bagnus and speaking to him, I got the sense that the boys behind the scenes at the Pentagon Not very happy. And very odd enough, Jim, that interview, my audio was so horrible that I had to scrap that whole thing. I I really don't understand why my audio was doing that. I never have an issue. But talking to him, and he's from Virginia, I think I could just add one and two together, and I'll have my answer there.
1: Well, it's very interesting because what I have heard from sources who are in the position to know is that actually – The military was very supportive of Trump candidacy. They wanted him to become president, to clean up the deep state, and they are very supportive of him. We have contradictory reports right now, just before I came on with you today, Michael. The the Pentagon is, according to one report that came from uh, Sputnik News. This is uh, one of the more reliable news sources in the world, along with RT, formerly Russia Today, Sputnik News and Press TV, which is the Iranian news service, are far more accurate, reliable, and comprehensive in what they report about events of great magnitude, particularly in relation to foreign policy, than the American media, which invariably is giving you a biased, incomplete, slanted, you know, they're putting their own spin on it. And because these organizations are so infested by the CIA and the Zionists, including literally the Mossad, Uh, that they won't give us a straight answer. The New York Times, I now, I have for many years referred to as the Langley Newsletter because that's a quality of reporting you get. They've been losing subscribers like mad. Many of those who used to read our nation's newspapers have given up the ghost and turned to the alternative media on the internet, which is why that we're receiving so much censorship, because too much truth is getting out.
2: By the way, who's reading newspapers anymore, Jim? Certainly not me or you.
1: Well, I, I keep up with what's being presented. It's like my wife, who's very much like Wolfgang's wife. And, you know, ah, she yes. was with me all the way with uh JFK. And 9-11 research, is very supportive of my 9-11 research, but she thinks I've somehow lost my way with regard to Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Charlottesville, and all the rest. To, to return, by the way, to Wolfgang, we traveled together to Newtown in order to speak before the Newtown school board. Uh, Wolfgang invited me ah, to wonderful. travel with, with him. We went there together. Uh, we went to the, let's see, Northwest... Connecticut, uh, the fund source that is supposed to have its, all of its records open because you see the participant in this scam made up like bandits. The, the public contributed between 27 and 130 million dollars, uh, that was divided uh-huh. between the 27 families of the survivors who'd merely pretended to have children who died there. They fake the kids using photographs of older kids when they were younger. Some who paid close attention may have noticed that Wayne Carver, the medical examiner, explained during that rather bizarre press conference held on the 14th of December 2012 that the parents weren't allowed to see the bodies of the children, but uh, they were identified using photographs. Well, there's more than one reason. He, He implied it was because it would be less traumatic as a parent myself. Uh, no force on earth could stop me from verifying that my child exactly. had been the victim of a tragedy were that to come to pass. Uh, uh, so it was all absurd to me on its face, but it turned out they had good reason because the kids only existed as photographs. Uh, for example, Noah Posner was the most photogenic of the children who's allegedly the child of Noah, of uh, Lenny Posner. Uh, turns out to be made up out of photographs of Michael Vabner, who was supposed to be his older stepbrother. Uh, we have been able to document this as completely as it could be documented. Kelly Watt, who had a very astute eye, uh, noticed a resemblance between the young Noah and the older Michael Vabner, and six of us went to work to see whether her conjecture that they were one and the same were correct turned out they had the same eyes, they had the same ears, they had the same nose, they had the same eyebrows, they had the same shape of cranium. So I invited Larry Rivera. I mentioned his new book about the JFK horseman, who's done brilliant work, for example, verifying that Lee Oswald was indeed the figure in the doorway of the Texas School Book Depository when the motorcade passed by. By finding suitable images to superimpose over the facial features of the man in the doorway, he's very much to the left, uh, appears to be gawking out, looking out to see what's going on. He had the right height, weight, build, shirt, t-shirt as Lee Oswald when he was arrested. But, uh, which was the astute observation of Ralph Sincay, who is the founder of the Oswald Innocence Campaign which is uh, dedicated to the proposition that Lee Oswald can't possibly have been the lone gunman or even one of the shooters because, in fact, he was actually standing in the doorway of the book depository as the motorcade passed by. So Larry had done these brilliant superpositions of images of Lee on the one hand and of Billy Lovelady as co-worker, On the other, whom the government claims was this person in the doorway, interestingly, Billy actually was in the doorway standing to the left of Lee with his hands raised to protect his eye for the sin where his face has been blocked out. So he's known as Black Hole Man to those who study the Alchin Six, this area of this very famous photograph. Well, you see the Kennedy limousine in the foreground. The Secret Service are looking around as though they have no idea what's going on. In the background is a Daltex. If you knew the fact of the matter, you'd realize that the fire escape of the Daltex is bracketing a window to a broom closet from which three shots were fired by an anti-Castro Cuban by the name of Nestor Tony Escadro in order to create the acoustical impression of only three shots having been fired. It was, they were fired with a man lurker carcano and because it's such an unreliable weapon, there were two misses, but one hit after the driver, William Greer pulled the limousine to the left and to a halt to make sure JFK would be killed. He was incidentally supervised in the Daltex by none other than George Herbert Walker Bush, who would be arrested when he came out of the Daltex. That's a very interesting story, uh, which is included in my uh, book on JFK, Who, How, and Why, also from MoonrockBooks.com. Uh, right. But but to continue, I invited Larry to do superpositions with regard to Michael Vabner and Noah Posner, so that we have a ser- a GIF where you can see Noah Posner turning into Michael Vabner. And, and there's no doubt about it. Michael Vabner, who is older, of course, now graduated from the University of Connecticut at stores with a major in economics, but he had taken courses in IT and web design. There you have his photograph on his website saying, Hi, I'm Michael Fabner, and it's obviously the same person we've just shown was the basis for NOAA. Uh, we have another photograph of Michael from the more half of the body, you know, his torso from his waist up. I mean, I mean we have proven beyond any doubt that Noah Posner was a fiction made up out of photographs of Michael Vabner.
2: By the way, Jim, I, I must intervene here and ask you really quickly, have you faced any sort of trouble with any of the family members, very much like Alex Jones, who has been hit with yet another lawsuit just recently about Sandy Hook? So I do worry about you, Jim.
1: No, no, I haven't. And I think the reason is I have the goods. You know, I mean, I have so much proof. And I'm, I've been very aggressive about getting it out into the public. Uh, uh, Robert David Steele, by the way, is a former CIA uh, uh, operative. He actually ran a, a false flag of his own while he was with the agency. He believes in open intelligence, open sourcing everything. He's seeking to expose everything that's taking place. He uh, uh, endeavored to put together a 9-11 memorandum series and enlisted my assistant. Well, we wound up with uh, 27 contributors, 28 memoranda, because one of the contributors, John Lear, our nation's most distinguished pilot contributed to where he's very generous in acknowledging my assistance because I, I put him in contact with half of the contributors. That was done for the president. He uh, initially thought we might do a sequel on JFK and I actually sent him an outline of the players and the topics that would be most appropriate to include, but he had second thoughts that it would be more timely to do one on Sandy Hook. And I put together a whole set of of memoranda about Sandy Hook that it's absolutely current. And the fact is you can download both of these memoranda series for free from his website at Robert David Steele. Uh you he has a short URL for one of them it's nine one one. I don't think the the slashes in there, 911-POTUS, P-O-T-U-S, the other S-H for Sandy Hook, hyphen, POTUS. But if you don't find him under that, uh you know, by that access route, just go to his website and poke around for his stuff on Sandy Hook and 9-11, and you'll find absolutely cutting-edge stuff about Sandy Hook. I mean, this was stuff that didn't make it into the original book. After it was banned, I would put, publish a second edition, at some point, I will publish a third edition. But the fact is, in the meanwhile, you can have a complete update. And I included, by the way, the photographic proof that Michael Vabner is uh, uh the source of Noah Posner. Indeed, with his absurd Alex Jones lawsuits going on, I contacted the court in Texas. And I submitted, with the assistance of uh, uh, Jack... uh John Remington Graham, Professor Graham, the per- retired professor of law, uh, uh, an amicus curiae brief of my own for the court, pointing out that the court was being played, that there was a deception being perpetrated on the court because Noah Posner didn't die; he was a fiction made up of photographs of Michael Vander, and I included five appendices for the photographic proof that Noah was made up out of photographs of Michael plus a fifth, which was a, a, a fake death certificate that Lenny Posner had given to Kelly Watt during a 100 hours of conversation they'd had during which she told him she didn't believe a word he said, didn't believe he had a son, didn't mm-hmm. believe he died at Sandy Hook, asked for proof. <laughs> he, he sent her Amazing. undoubtedly, inadvisedly, a death certificate that was a fabrication, the bottom half of an authentic, the top half of a fake, it has no file number. It has a wrong estimated time of death at 11 a.m. when the shooting officially took place between 9.35 and 9.40. But there are also many, many minor, you know, font errors and the way in which the text is distributed in the form that reveal its fabrication. You can find that already in the original of the book that was banned, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, which let me add, and I know you know this, Michael, but some of the audience tonight may not, you can download that book for free. Just put in the title, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, and you can download the interior of the entire book as a PDF for free, just as you can download those two memoranda series from Robert David Steele's website for free. Uh, and the, the, the one on 9-11 is really very comprehensive. I mean, if you want to, you know uh, – 28 experts to be informing you about different aspects of 9-11 and you've got it right there in your hands for free. You can it's download a, it from his site. It's now. incredible
2: indeed. And well, uh, all these, uh, all these false flag events, they all have one thing in common. All of them always end up with some sort of FEMA drill going on the week of the event. I always found that a little mm-hmm. suspicious.
1: Well, they're actually scoping out the situation, you know, and perform. they Often they'll take the footage, video footage that they'll then release as though we're part of the live event when they pretend that it takes place. But they have to scope out to make sure there aren't any major kinks in the basic scenario they're going to impose to be the false flag. So those drills, yes, very typically precede. We had a drill uh, at the uh, uh, Tree of Life uh, Synagogue in Pittsburgh. Uh, by the way, the police reports were coming in before the synagogue had opened its doors. There are uh, five or six, as I was mentioning, uh, blogs about this synagogue thing, which was a, really a manifest absurdity, if you know how to read them, where where Miles Bandits, no who does to. some brilliant work, has a blog that I also republished there where he talks about trying to track down, you know, some of those who were identified. Uh, uh, Mona Alexis Presley did this brilliant work out of Las Vegas where Las Vegas was a movie. They use a pre-recorded soundtrack they played over the PA system of the actual firing of an M60 machine gun and some military weapons which fire in three shot bursts that had coordinated with visual special effects at the middle of the Mandalay Bay on the fourth floor. Yeah, lights flashing to simulate a machine gun. Higher up, three light bursts to simulate. But those were all soundless. The sound was all coming from this pre-recorded soundtrack. They've been they've been recruiting crisis actors for Las Vegas for 15 days from a LA company called Crowds on Demand, which apparently also has ties to George Soros. So you know the whole thing. That was, was so Michael Slumber. Chertoff don't, could don't make out
3: and go ahead. I was just. I believe that was so mo- Michael exactly. Chertoff could make a lot of money.
1: Well, that was one of the collateral benefits that that they're doing, too. Down in in New Orleans, for example, I mentioned Gary King, with whom I do the new new JFK show. We just did one about how they're remodeling schools down there based upon Parkland, and they're turning them into mini prisons. They only have one entrance or exit. They have iron bars all around the, the, the school grounds. This school used to have 50 entrances and exits, which is very appropriate if you had a fire, for example, or whatever. The kids could all get out easily. Good Lord. Now they're putting bulletproof glass. They're putting in body scanners. I I mean, this is costing uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. The communities are having to take bonds, you know, that won't be paid off for 20 years in order to facilitate making these private companies rich over yeah. fabricating Yeah that's bins. another thing
2: that's another thing Jim that I always worry about so much in this country. I always hear how there's so much money being tossed around and I can't help but think, well, what the hell happened in 2008? We haven't even recovered from that yet and we're still throwing around all this money that we don't even have. And Ron by the way, uh, Jim Ron is still on the line here. And, Ron, did you have anything else to ask uh, Mr. Fetzer?
3: The only thing – yeah, one, uh, yes, one last question, and thank you for uh, having me. Uh enjoyed speaking with both of you. Uh, I was going to ask, why do you all think that, that they are denying uh, – I hear that Alex Jones's attorneys have basically snubbed any help from Wolfgang or you in this regard. They are basically – stonewalling and saying, Don't contact us. Why would they do that?
1: It's very, very peculiar. Uh you're a hundred percent correct. I've been sending uh Alex or his representatives the our discoveries from the beginning. When the book was banned, they actually had a very nice piece about it. Uh the book having been banned on InfoWars, it was up for about thirty eight minutes. It had acquired hundred and seventy eight comments. And the reason it was banned appears to be that in the book, and you'll find this, in Chapter 7 we have 50 photographs of how they were furnishing an empty house to serve as the Adam Lanza residence. There are many telling signs of how this was done, one of which is that there are no paintings, photographs, whatnot on the walls. There's nothing on the walls of this house. I'm sure the real estate agent was interested in potentially selling the house. They didn't want it to be banged up, so they'd have to go through and do minor touching up, you know. That can be a real pain because if you have holes in the wall and you want to repaint them or fill them in, it may not be the paint matches. You may have to repaint the whole wall. So there's nothing up on the walls. It's bereft of personal effects. The whole thing was totally fraudulent. The, the key photograph there is one from the Nancy Lonza bedroom where Adam is supposed to have shot his mother several times with a 22 caliber rifle, uh, although the rifle turned out to have no, none of his fingerprints. He, there were no fingerprints of Adam Lanza on the rifle, which is pretty bizarre if you stop and think about it.
2: That is bizarre.
1: Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, And, and yeah. you look at the bed, and there's some red stuff there, but it, it isn't blood, and it's not in copious quantity that would be appropriate to being shot multiple times in the head. It looks to me like it might be raspberry jam. There's a cedar chest at the foot of the bed uh, where there's a form there, and we find this in other photographs in the house because they appear to have been keeping records of how they were arranging the furniture in the forms. And then Kelly Watt, who has her own home in commercial Cleaning service with her keen eyes spotted, spotted a, a blue moving pad beneath the leg of the bed that in their haste they forgot to remove. In, in addition, in Chapter 8, we have 50 photographs of them refurbishing the school to serve as the stage, from the moving vans coming in to putting the name plates on the on the classroom, which still have the moving van sticker, but where the classic, and as I recall, it's exhibit number 24, You have what I uh, took to be the SWAT team vehicle, very imposing vehicle, is already there. And you can look over the top of the vehicle, and there's a string of four windows in Classroom 10 that are undamaged. That's significant because after the shooting, they'd be shot up. In particular, the second of the four windows would be all shot out. So you can actually discern, and I publish in, in addition, the windows before and after the event so you can verify for yourself what I'm asserting here. Uh, so this is clearly before the event. The SWAT's team there. The flag is at full mass. You come down the flag, and you see a familiar figure reclining against the wall with his arms folded. It's none other than Wayne Carver, the medical examiner, awaiting the arrival of his <laughs> portable mortuary tent. And they have crime scene up for a crime that is yet to be committed. When we published the, the book, one that was laughing. you find this in the downloaded version, but it was corrected in the second edition. We thought this was taken the morning of the 14th. It actually turns out to have been taken the evening of the 13th. They were setting up the crime scene. But, I mean, this is just an absolute killer. This is a proof. So the reason I mention this is that when InfoWars published an announcement about the book being banned, uh, which, as I say, was up for 38 minutes before they took it down, they included an even more clear version of this photograph where you can easily identify all the features I'm talking about with a caption, Connecticut State oh. Police, because all these photographs came out, out of the Connecticut State Police files. They were conducting the whole event and recording everything they did. I think probably... Initially, it was because they thought it was just going to be a drill, and then when it went live, I mean, they had all the records of it.
2: Amazing. It, Go yeah. ahead, William Ron. Powell.
1: William Powell from Australia Uh-oh. really discovered all this Bonanza of photographic evidence, so they right. have it all there, right in, the, right in the book.
2: One second, Jim. Ron, did you have anything else to add before we cut that, you loose? That's here? all I had for
3: this evening, and thanks for having me on. I'll sunset myself, and I hope to see you in a couple of weeks, Jim. I think Terrific. I'll try to make that conference.
1: Terrific. And Dallas, super. That would be wonderful, Ron. Thank you. Come, Be sure to introduce yourself. I'd, I'd love to talk to you. Yeah, what's that, uh, call, way right back. Yeah. I was instrumental in getting him uh, a lot of uh, financial support for his research. Not only have we established how they made up the kids out of photographs of older kids, Mona Alexis Presley, and I began to explain this but didn't quite complete the thought, did research on the obituaries of the victims. Reported victims at Las Vegas and discovered when they weren't merely minor Photoshop variations on on one another, they were actually based on people who died in different states or on different dates or from different causes of death. Another, the whole thing was a charade. Indeed, the the the, the Clark County coroner shut down his office when he was being besieged with requests for death certificates and autopsy reports because he didn't have any. It eventually went to a court and a judge ruled he had to release him. He was very blatant about it. He just did a cast out a net and, and obtained the right number of autopsy reports from six different coroners around the world, none of whom had anything to do with Las Vegas, and he struck out their file number and and, and, uh, uh, just put them out there as though those had been the Las Vegas victims. I mean, it's frankly insulting.
2: It is. And um, Jim, by the way, do you mind if I give the number out really quickly here?
1: No, go right ahead. You mean for someone to call in? Yeah. Sure.
2: If go anybody, ahead. yeah, if anybody wants to call in that number, 760-332-8724 one more time, 760-332-8724 or call toll free 1-866 305-0052. One more time. one 305 52 That's the number. Don't be scared. Me and Jim don't bite.
1: Ha 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 Yeah, well, uh, very, very good. In fact, we're doing a book on Las Vegas too. It's, That's it's, right, you are. It, yeah, it's three quarters done. We just leapfrogged to, I decided to leapfrog to get Parkland out first. Uh, for two reasons. One is Parkland was more immediate in relation to the midterm elections. And we do have it out before the midterm elections, though not as far in advance as I would have preferred. But it is available now. Uh, and uh, the second reason, that the Las Vegas thing is being stretched out. Uh, they are releasing various claims. They, they put out a video uh, of a SWAT team going into the suite uh, allegedly the, the the paddock suite on the 32nd floor of that yeah. wing of the Mandalay Bay. And it turns out when the SWAT team went in, they had body cam, and they released this as though it was supposed to be convincing. Well, you may have heard the early reports. You had the body lying on the ground. You see blood there. There's a shell casings around. Uh, according to the sheriff, 1,100 rounds were fired from that room by this guy, Stephen Paddock. But you can only see... Oh, maybe two dozen there. Scott Bennett, with whom I did a a very nice interview with uh, Kerry Cassidy for the Project Camelot about Las Vegas, has observed that some of them were for blanks, which have a crimp nose, a crimp cartridge, and others were CO2 cartridges for gas-propelled pellet guns, for example. I had another expert point out to me that the body appeared to be thawing out. In other words, it had been on ice and was there, so it was a kind of perspiring. Not only that, but the claim was he had 23 weapons there in the room, which actually suggested to me that he might have been an arms dealer, that this was his display room, his showcase, and you'd come and you'd check out the weapons you're interested in, and then he'd arrange for you to test fire them on another occasion at a different location. In any case... He's supposed to have busted out two windows. Why two? I can't imagine because one would have been sufficient. But the whole thing was totally fabricated. There was no sh- no shots were fired from the 32nd floor, just as no shots were fired from the sixth floor of the Dallas Book Depository. Uh, they were fired from many locations. I've identified six of the shooters, their locations, the shot they fired, the effects they had.
2: Jim, by the way, we are joined by another soul.
4: Um Caller, go
2: ahead.
1: Well, hello there, James. How are you this evening? Fine, just fine. Thanks for calling in.
4: Alrighty. Uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to speak to you, sir. Um, I've watched your work, and uh I'm really impressed with the volumes of information you bring um, uh, for the audience and uh for everyone. Um, my question was, are you aware about um, Las Vegas? Uh, that Steve Wynn, I uh, think the owner of Mandalay, he... uh a year before the event he was talking about having uh metal detectors and so forth in his um, um, hotel um and then he called them uh, magnetometers um when people uh, when the reporters were asking him about the metal detectors. That's right. Um uh, and mm-hmm. and he also stated that uh Guy uh, did not drink any alcohol. Which seems like a setup for um uh a uh, Muslim extremist situation um it was really strange that Steve Wynn mentioned that Paddock didn't drink any alcohol and then uh he talked about his hotel security and so forth uh but with an interview i don't know if you know about this a year prior to the event uh there was an interview with Steve Wynn where he explained that he used uh DHS and, uh, SEAL Team uh, as their, uh, consultants, um, uh, contractors for his security and he spent $10 million. So I just want to bring that, that piece of information up if you're, if you're aware or not. Uh, I'm just curious.
1: Well, I think Wynn's hotel is actually named after him, just as Trump's hotels are named after Trump, that the owner of the Mandalay Bay is not uh, a win, but he did, and this is quite fascinating, sell off 80% of his stock in the Mandalay Bay prior to the shooting so he could buy it up cheap after the event and make a bundle. Uh, so did uh George Soros. Uh, it took a $41 million short on the Mandalay Bay so that if the stock dropped, he'd make a bundle. Uh In addition, When you talk, Wynn did say that he would install these body scanners and all this. This appears to have been part of the master plan where Michael Chertoff, who is our second director of Homeland Security, who introduced the TSA, you know, the Transportation Security Administration, where we have to go through all this hassle now. I mean, it used to be a joy to go to the airport and meet a friend or a relative arriving. You could go right up to the gate. Uh, and greet them warmly with enthusiasm. Now they put us all through these hassles, many of which are highly demeaning, uh, and they appear to be making very inappropriate, uh, uh, body covers of, of young women, for example, and others are molesting young women in the case of the many of these uh, operations. The body scanners have never been tested for their safety. I have no doubt that they're cancer-inducing. The idea of having these body scanners, however, no doubt. at all the resorts and casinos in Las Vegas was part of the plan. You see, Chertoff is now the head of the Chertoff Group, which has uh, manufacturers, these scanners. So they stand as, <laughs> make a bundle. They, they want to have them installed in every public building, uh, every mall, every church, every school. So that's what's going on down in New Orleans, as Gary King was reporting. We actually, he had a, you know, video and photographs from the school, and it looks like a mini prison. Uh, it, it's just outrageous. Oh
4: yeah, I, 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 Be- uh, sir, I, I apologize. Uh, definitely, uh, the public schools are actually incarceration uh for the kids, so they don't you know go and do their things that they do freely uh, I myself uh uh was born in Lithuania um and I lived in the village and I went to the woods and did all these things and uh everything's fine. uh now one last question uh it seems that uh the war has begun on uh pre peaking individuals. Um, it, what is what would be some of the strategies to counter that? Because they are no longer hiding uh, the fact that they're just uh, censoring and going after everybody. Uh, all the reasons are actually irrelevant for what they give because uh, per, uh, more and more they are further from reality or any sort of sense, common sense. Uh, so, what would be some of the strategies to counter the uh, blatant attack on individuals?
1: Well, if you're talking about targeted individuals with the, uh, you know, electromagnetic weapons and all that forms of harassment, I have a colleague who's an expert in this area. His name is Preston James. He actually has a book about how the emergence uh, I, of the internet has been no, no, such I, I, a I, I threat. Mean, to the I
4: deep mean, uh, state. Uh, I don't mean targeted individuals. I mean uh, people who actually have critical thought faculties. They're they're under attack um by anybody who disagrees with the narrative, uh, kind of like 1984. But uh,
1: well, then you mean so, you mean we're, we're, people like me and and Alex Jones and Mike correct. Adams, for example. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, it, it's been so a, a necessity that? to go to more secure websites. Right. You can now find most of my stuff isn't up at YouTube anymore. It's at BitChute, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E. It's at one five three news dot net. Other secure sites. Mike Adams has created a whole Huge operation that was originally named Real Dot Video, and now he's renamed it. I think Brighton, B R I G H T O N, is is the new designation. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I think I know what the he's. Of- I think I know what he's talking about, uh, Jim. And and he's totally correct. I see this happening all the time, and it's something that is one of my concerns for this nation and and society. The way things are going, the fact that no longer do we, uh, not me or you, but the media, the government, no longer do they preach the message of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. None of that is ever really pushed anymore. And the caller does remind me about that. And he's, he's correct. Um, everyone nowadays wants you to conform to their ideology, to be a part of that group collective hive mindset. The media nor the country, they, they never encourage these sort of things, they don't want you to be an individual, it's very unusual to see that, and I am perturbed by that. And I think that's what the caller is trying to convey.
4: Well, I think uh, that... One, 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 I'm sorry, one last thing. I was born in so I have seen this before. Social justice stuff, then the gun control, then 40 million people get killed. I've, I've
1: seen this before. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Well, anyhow... It- well, let me say several things in response. Dave Hodges, I think, has been very good to identify the big picture here, that we're under a massive assault against the First Amendment, uh really to, to thwart the defense of the Second. I mean, the Second Amendment is absolutely vital uh, because we need to have the right to keep and bear arms, in the first instance, for the sake of personal and home security. If an intruder starts to break into your home and you are unarmed and therefore you call the police because they are armed to come to your defense, it can take the police as much as 20 minutes to arrive on the scene. Meanwhile, the brutality takes place the first five or six minutes. You may find that by the time the police show up that your daughter has been raped, your, your wife has been murdered, you have been mugged, so... If you cannot defend yourself, you know, waiting for the police to come to your aid is not a winning strategy. Not at so, all. So, so I encourage everyone to get some training with weapons, obtain a concealed carry permit. I mean, you don't have to have a whole arsenal. You can have a, a single handgun or a shotgun. I particularly recommend a shotgun. It's an excellent weapon it doesn't require great accuracy roughly you just point and shoot and it does the job you want to learn how to fire a shotgun but they're they're relatively inexpensive uh you certainly don't need something that's going to be as as effective as you know having a 30 round magazine or whatever Those weapons, by the way, however, are vital if the nation's security is in jeopardy. I'm going to get to that point. So what I suggest is for the sake of home and personal security, it's a wise idea to learn marksmanship with a handgun, uh, there are lots of stores that sell them. Uh, find one that's comfortable for you, uh, probably one that doesn't have a lot of kick. You have to go to a training range to use how, uh, learn how to fire it, how to use it safely, and obtain concealed carry number one. That's the first recommendation I make. The no. second is so go ahead, Jim. for the sake of community uh, and social security, uh, it's very good that we have citizens who are armed. For example, consider... This community of Deerfield, Illinois, which is not far from Chicago, uh, has banned weapons in the community, and they're fining the residents a $1,000 a day if they have weapons. Well, th- this is ludicrous. Oh, what if you had riots break out in Chicago and they spill over into Deerfield and the, the rioters are breaking into the stores and they're beating up the public? How can you possibly defend yourself if you have no weapons, you can't? That's right. You're at the mercy of, or suppose a motorcycle right. gang came to town.
2: Hold on one yes. second, Jim. A Caller, did you have anything else? Maybe the caller
1: left. Yeah, well, that's okay because it got us onto this very, very that's central right. topic. Yes, sir. A motorcycle gang comes to town. You know, you had this wonderful experience in, in, in Northfield, uh, Minnesota when the residents learned that Jesse James gang was coming to rob the bank and you had the, you know, the armed citizens waited for them to show up and took them out. I mean, it was one of the great heroic moments in American civil history. Uh, I'm not saying it's taught in the schools, but it ought to be because it shows how a community can come together to defend itself. Right. What's going on now with this huge migrant Caravan coming to the United States. Let me let me preface the threat that poses with the history of World War II. Emperor Hirohito, who would launch uh, the attack at Pearl Harbor against the United States, discussed with his military leaders uh, invading the United States, and they advised against it because they told him there'd be a sniper behind every blade of grass. So he chose not to invade the United States. It was a wise thing. Well, what this reflects is the fact that we have a 100 million armed Americans is our greatest source of national defense. I mean, just think what would happen if you took that away and we had an ongoing invasion. This thing, this migrant thing, which appears to be a George Soros off, has parallels in Europe because George Soros, who represents a globalist approach where there are no borders and no nation-states, it's all obliterated, has been this supporting the massive influx of migrants into Europe. Uh, this actually has deep roots in uh, uh, Talmud, Talmudic Judaism. It's known as the, the Khashoggi Plan, where which was to invade Europe with uh, really uh, hordes of Muslims in order to destroy Christianity, I mean, think of the genius of it: Jews using Muslims to destroy Christians. And it 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 it's been around for quite a while. The Kalari, K A L E R, Kalergi Plan. Uh, the future man will be a mongrel. As for Pan Europe, I wish to see a Eurasian Negroid mixture with great variation in personality types. The Jews, they'll so take the leading positions as Providence has given Europe a spiritually superior race of nobility called the Jews. Notice how much that reflects the Talmudic uh, 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 j- j- Judaical strain that I condemn that combines this belief in Jewish superiority and the entitlement to use the other races as subservient to the Jews to serve them with, and it's typically combined with dubious historical claims to the lands of Palestine, uh, where, in fact, there are efforts to convince the American public that uh actually the Palestinians are on lands that belong to the Israelis rather than Israelis being on lands that belong to the Palestinians. I mean, there's an absolutely fascinating lecture that anyone who has the opportunity should track down from 2016 at the National Press Club. Uh, where a fellow by the name of Grant F. Smith addressed Israel's influence, good or bad for America, and talked about the role of the propaganda within the United States of the uh, uh, Israeli lobby, which is so vastly powerful. A statement made by Bibi Netanyahu, and he's made quite a few. I know what America is. America is a thing you can move very easily, move it in the right direction. They won't get in our way. It was a statement he made in Hebrew in 2001 to West Bank settlers, uh, you know, who were worried that there might be U.S. opposition. Well, he understood how the Israeli lobby and the manipulation of the media can be so efficacious that, in fact, uh, for example, uh, in, in 2015, actually, it turns out most, uh, most American Jews actually supported the 2050 Iran nuclear deal. Uh uh but many in America were ignorant and thought that the Iranians already possessed nuclear weapons, whereas the Iran deal was designed to uh to prohibit or inhibit the development of nuclear weapons. Iran actually may have had to resort to contemplate the development of nuclear weapons up to two thousand three because American authorities were telling the world that Saddam hussein was developing nuclear weapons, he was obtaining yellow cake from Niger in Africa. Actually, Ambassador Joe Wilson was sent down to investigate these claims and came back to debunk them, which was not the outcome that Dick Cheney wanted, so he used Scooter Libby to out the wife of Joe Wilson, Valerie Plain, who was a CIA operative undercover Who has had a vast network to inhibit the proliferation of nuclear weapons in the Middle East.
2: Now, Jim, we, we, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but we definitely are coming to a close very soon here. And there was another issue that I want you to definitely want you to weigh in on. But before I do, I'll let you finish with what you were going to say there. I'm sorry about that, Jim.
1: Oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I just wanted to make this key point because this is another way in which Trump has gone astray. I mean, I think he's doing a brilliant job of explaining the the mockingbird media, the fake news. I think he's doing a brilliant job of that. He's shaken up the traditional party structure. He executed a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. I think the guy's a genius at public relations, but he's been conned about Iran, because Iran actually if they contemplated developing nuclear weapons, it was only for a brief interval uh, from around 2000 to 2003 when Saddam Hussein was being demonized and, and being described as developing nuclear weapons, which is why we had to invade Iraq. The Iranians had been engaged in an eight-year war with Iraq from 1980 to 1988, which cost about a million on both sides. So that they may have contemplated the development of nuclear weapons, but they gave it up when Saddam was deposed in 2003. In fact, Our own intel agencies, I'm talking about the big three, all all 17 are never involved in these. Some of them are like the Coast Guard. They just have a very limited involvement in intelligence assessments. But the FBI, the CIA, the NSA are the big three. All all concluded that Iran was not pursuing nuclear weapons in 2007. They reaffirmed that conclusion in 2011. Even the Mossad came aboard in 2012. And uh, with the declaration that Iran was not pursuing nuclear weapons three weeks before Bibi Netanyahu went to the United Nations and asserted precisely the opposite. It is a tragedy that Trump has withdrawn from the nuclear agreement uh because he had no good reason for doing it. He offered three uh, reasons. One was uh, that it would expire in 2025, but it could always be renegotiated. So that's not a good reason. He said that it didn't cover the military sites but only the nuclear sites in Iran but that's very appropriate that's not a good reason either because Iran's entitled to have its own military site. He also added that it didn't cover Iran's ballistic missile systems but again that's not a good reason because Iran like every other country is entitled to develop its own ballistic missile defense system its own national defense system. Uh it what what has happened there is that there's been a neocon capture of our foreign policy. Key players like Mike Pompeo as Secretary of State, John Bolton as National Security Advisor, Dickie Haley. These are all extreme hawks, pro-Israel. These are, uh you know, neoconservatives are described. They're really Israeli zealots. And they brought us to the point that we may have made war with Russia, I mean a nuclear exchange, inevitable. I want to recommend to your audience here, Michael, a a recent article by Paul Craig Roberts entitled, Is America Finished? Because he explains how Trump came in with all these good intentions to get out of the Middle East to improve relations with Russia, but he's been so demonized by the Democrats, the, the left that has gone completely lunatic. They are totally detached from reality. They won't accept that Hillary Clinton lost the campaign. This is the only time in American history the losing party did not accept the outcome of the election. They didn't even win the popular vote, although they profess, they claim they did, and therefore that the electoral college ought to be abolished, which would be a stupid thing to do for a whole host of reasons. Then all the other states would simply be neglected. All the campaign would be focused on the big states like California, Florida, New York, Texas, all the others would just be ignored. There was genius in the electoral college system so that you had to give every state a role to play in your campaigns. But the demonization of Trump, the phony charges about Russia being involved in our election, which never had any foundation, uh, has all created a predicament that boxed in Trump so that now – He's withdrawing from the INF. This was the Intermediate Nuclear Missile uh, uh, Treaty that precluded the development of nuclear missiles with ranges between 5, 000, 500 and 3,500 miles. That enabled Russia to feel secu- secure. What we have done is to violate the basic treaties, the most solemn treaties into which the United States has ever entered in its history with the Soviet Union between Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev over the dissolution of the Soviet Union, where we guaranteed that we would not encroach upon the newly independent nations. We would respect their political neutrality, not seek to turn them into NATO nations. Beginning with Bill Clinton, we've done just the opposite. We've encroached, we've put up a series of uh, what are supposed to be anti-ballistic missile systems on the border of Russia, ostensibly to confront a non-existent uh, Iranian nu- uh, nuclear missile threat, but which, uh, Putin, who's a very uh, discerning guy, in fact, I believe he's the only true statement asti- astride the world stage today, recognizing it can be effortlessly converted into first strike weapons against which the Russians have no defense. They appeal to the United Nations to uphold the INF Treaty, not allow the U.S. to withdraw, but the United Nations would listen, which is tragic indeed, because now Russia has openly declared it's preparing for war, which is inevitable, so that as Paul Craig Roberts, whom I regard as our nation's leading public intellectual, has laid it out in this extraordinarily important essay, uh, the Democrats, because they wouldn't accept the constitutional process of the fact that they lost, the fact that they demonized Russia and Trump in a way that made his original intentions with regard to foreign policy impossible to carry out, has now put us on a path toward uh, what appears to be uh, an inevitable nuclear armageddon with Russia. The Russians don't want it but they are prepared to fight it. Their weapons right. are far more sophisticated yes. and more effective than ours, Michael.
2: Indeed, so, Jim. Uh, yeah. And now I do have to ask you about another issue going on, and lately it's something I've been talking a lot about, and that is the war on men in America. It does seem like there is a war on masculinity here, and we see that with Brett Kavanaugh. That, that's a great example of oh, yeah. what I'm talking about, and it, it brings – all of these topics together, the far liberal left talking about something that never even happened. And that woman was definitely put up to it for political gain, as we all saw.
1: Oh, but yeah, Blasey Ford was an instrument of the left. Ian Feinstein was deeply involved in this and a whole lot of other players on the Democratic left. It's very, very Well, distressing, disappointing. Those words are hopelessly inadequate. There were real issues that could have been raised about Brett Kavanaugh. He was a a counselor to the president uh, during 9-11. He apparently had a role in relation to the Patriot Act. Uh, Those are perfectly legitimate questions, though there was a very, he was in a very different position because he was at that time The client, he was employed by the president as the president's counselor, so he wasn't in the position to exercise independent thought. He uh, has been suspected of being knowing about the death of Vince Foster, which I guarantee it was a suicide. It even took place in the White House. He was rolled up in a carpet, dumped out in a public park. The whole thing was completely fishy from beginning to end. Hillary appears to have had a role in all of that. Uh, that would also have been fair game, but the Democrats chose to take the low road and instead to attempt to discredit him by weaponizing the Me Too movement and the Bill Cosby case. So you had this absurd allegations by this woman that Dianne Feinstein had known about it for many months in advance, but only dropped after the preliminary hearings were concluded where it could have been investigated in private and confidence in a timely fashion. At the last moment before the, the vote is supposed to be taken by the Judiciary Committee, this was supposed to create a delay in the Kavanaugh hearings after the midterm, where the Democrats are hopeful they might retake the Senate if they did that, not only with Kavanaugh, but any other conservative nominees from Donald Trump would be dead on arrival. Uh, it's not happening, I can predict with great confidence. The Republicans are going to pick up three to five seats in the Senate. In part because of the despicable way in which the Democrats handled themselves. Lazy Ford couldn't remember when, where, how, why. So the people she identified could not support what she claimed. They, they didn't know her, didn't know the, it, it hadn't happened. I, I mean, I have spent a huge amount on this. And in fact, I'm completing a book on Kavanaugh, Michael, as we speak. So, you know, this is all going to be laid out in spades. But look what they did. They they took this relatively modest—it would have been a misdemeanor at the time— where you got uh, what's supposed to be a young teenage boy, and the fact that he was 70 was crucial to this because Brett Kavanaugh had already been cleared by by six previous FBI investigations, but they all began when he was 18 years old. So they deliberately planned this out to be prior to any previous FBI investigation— it would be like a young kid putting the make on a young girl when they were drinking and, uh, you know, in high school. This is the sort of thing that happens every day all over the United States. Well, this and goes back. not turned into a federal offense. Yeah, but this they goes back. to make something out of it yeah this yeah, goes hit. back
2: to what I'm saying about the war on men in america yeah, yeah it seems right. like it seems like today there's not even anyone fighting for the men out there and It really does have me perturbed, I think about this this yeah. uh, war that's going on, and it's very blatant, and no one else has seen it and the liberal left they're using it all the time. And I'm, gonna, I'm amazed gonna, by it. I,
1: I, I, I may upset some of the audience with what I'm about to say, but let me compare Donald Trump. He's an alpha male. He's heterosexual. He likes women. He's married several. He's had lots of affairs. He's he's a macho guy as a male. Barack Obama is a a closet homosexual. He had a torrid affair with Rahm Emanuel in Chicago. He was well-known in the bathhouses in Chicago. He married a man. Uh, uh, Michael Robinson, when he played football at Oregon State, when he transferred to Princeton, he adopted the persona of Michelle Robinson. Uh, But he's never had uh, 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 the surgery, so that he still has his mail package, which is quite evident. There are times when they'd be coming off a plane and the wind would blow her dress up against her body. And you could see her package. She was on the Ellen DeGeneres show. My goodness. It was obvious she had a package. Uh, uh, you know, Joan Rivers was asked, would we ever have a gay presence? Well, you know, we already do with Obama. And, of course, Michelle is a tranny. Everyone knows. There's been a huge amount of research. Michael, I wouldn't talk about this if I weren't 100% confident of whereof I speak. I have the evidence. No doubt. I know about it. By the way, Jim, Jim children, I'm sorry. Those to... children, by the yes. way, are not their children. They were borrowed. They were, were adopted from the physician of Michelle. That's Jim, their Jim you by the way. photographs photograph of right. the children with their real parents, they look <laughs> just like the yes. parents. Yes, Jim,
2: hold on one second. There is another call for you. Let, let's take that call. Caller, are you there still? Caller, are you alive? <laughs> well, they were yelling into the oh, phone.
5: Yeah, please, uh, hello, hello,
2: Okay, what the hell was that? Talk, talk. Uh, English, speak English for me, please.
5: Okay, it is me. My name is Jacob Sata.
2: Amazing. Did you have a question?
5: Yes. What is the end of the days, man?
2: Oh, Jim, look at that. We have one of the globalists calling in right now. This is someone that's part of what? the liberal left.
1: <laughs> what, 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 was the, what, was the, what was the question, Michael? I, I think this is a joke. I it was a, a joke. Collar, but what was the question? What was the question?
2: Uh, they were wanting to know what end of days was, and I just oh, thought. And,
1: and, and, well, end of days, is, uh, <laughs> you know, this is an evangelical belief about the end of the world coming, and, and some believe it's imminent. Uh, but it's been imminent on many past occasions and, of course, never came to pass. So that's trading on an equivocation, you know. Uh, uh, this is an elementary fallacy I taught my students in my courses in critical thinking. One of the examples was Correct. Uh, the minister says that the end of the world is coming next week. and And the member of the congregation says, but that's what you said last week. And he replies, yes, so we'll just wait and see if I'm right. You are know, this is equivocating by moving the goalposts, changing the date of the end of days. But it's it got to do with uh, the idea of a, an Armageddon in which the world is destroyed and Jesus returns to establish peace on earth and justice distributes justice among all mankind. Uh, as a non-religious person, as an agnostic, of course, I don't happen to believe any any of these religious doctrines, but yeah. they are interesting and widespread
2: yeah they they really are widespread and it does make me interested in asking you about that sort of thing i already know you're not a religious person but jim were were your parents religious at all and they did they ever try to indoctrinate you in any of that
1: no 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 My 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 natural parents divorced when i was very young and i went to live with my mother who married my stepfather uh, uh we lived out in a remote area of Southern California called Mahabra Heights, not far from Whittier, where Richard Nixon would be, uh, you know, become involved in, in politics. Yeah. They once took me to a Quaker service and asked me, you know, what I thought, or thought I thought was okay, but did I want to go back? No, not particularly. They never put any, uh you know, pressure on me to become religious. After my mother died when I was 11, I went to live with my father and stepmother, and and they thought that my brother and I would benefit from being involved in the social program of one of the churches in South Pasadena. There were two very active youth programs, one at the congregational church that was only a block and a half from our home. The other was across town at the Episcopal Church. They liked that arrangement better, and I became, uh, you know, Involved in the Episcopal Church, I I was an acolyte, I was the president of the Young People's Fellowship, I gave a sermon on Youth Sunday, I was a delegate from the Episcopal Diocese of Los Angeles to the 14th uh, conference on Christian education held in Tokyo, uh, the summer between my high school and freshman year in college. Uh, but it, it, it never took. I mean, you know, as a student of philosophy, you know, I mean, I gravitated to all the courses that had to do with concepts, theories, methodology, and would become, you know, an expert eventually in epistemology, methodology, and the philosophy of science and recognizing that uh, neither the existence nor the non-existence of God is capable of, of proof. Uh, that means I cannot, in good conscience, it, it, by embracing, as I do, an ethics of belief, according to which I'm not entitled to believe anything for which I lack sufficient evidence, I cannot embrace theism or atheism, and therefore I am an agnostic. But I respect the right of other people to hold these religious beliefs. I have done a lot of work on mo- the nature of morality and established that morality does not require religion. Not at all. Which can It can serve as a motive for being moral if you believe in an afterlife, but morality stands on its own. It really entails, properly understood, treating other people with respect and never treating anyone merely as a means, which is why some of the obviously immoral acts that we all recognize, murder, robbery, kidnapping, rape, are immoral. It's because it involved treating other persons merely as means. Uh, with his evolving caravan, by the way, approaching the United States, this is uh, exploitation of people by powerful uh, left-wing forces. George Soros is the most o- obvious, but I'm sure there are many other behind it. Yeah, there's plenty Where of other I, 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 I believe that if, in fact, the uh, the borders are going to be overrun, that we're going to have citizen <coughs> soldiers who will rise to the occasion. We could not have defeated the British did we not have citizen soldiers who were able to take on the British. And I believe that there are militias in this country that are willing to stand up for the United States. The left wing has so lost its way, they don't understand the importance of guns for any of these reasons. They would leave the nation vulnerable to invasion. Uh, have this this caravan has had the ironic consequence, Michael, of being a visual representation of why we need the wall. In other words, it's another demonstration of why Trump has been right. Immigration has been an issue that neither the Democrats nor the Republicans have wanted to come to grips with in a serious way. We've allowed all kinds of illegal immigration because it provides low-cost labor to agribusiness. It's actually been promoted by the big agricultural concerns who want to have these low. Wage migrants come into the United States. They don't have to give them any benefits. They can pay them, you know, ch- cheap wages, maximize their profits, all in an exploitative mode. The reason why the rise of u- labor unions has been so important is to treat working men and women with respect. If you don't have collective bargaining, uh, the companies can isolate individual workers and treat them with extreme disrespect. They can provide Unsafe working conditions, inadequate wages, uh, 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 work of without pay. I mean, all kinds of exploitation can take place. Uh, and it's very important that we have proper relationships, yes. more ethical relationships between employers and employees. Uh, the left has got hold
2: on, far. Jim. Hold on one second, Jim. There's another call Caller, Are you alive there?
1: Yes, I am alive, sir. Amazing.
2: Did you have a, a question here for good old Jim? Yes. What do you think of the
5: nigger minority? <laughs> what do you think of that, sir?
1: See, now this is a this is a, a phony, fabricated call. I it mean, sure I is. Have respect for all races. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you know, it, what what it's interesting though that this call would come in because the Democrats are so desperate. Michael, that they're trying to appeal to racism. People who have known Donald Trump forever know Donald Trump doesn't have a racist bone in his body. He was a long-time businessman in New York. He he brought projects in early. He made lots of money for lots of people. He did that by treating them with respect. Uh, we have people who worked for him for a long time who will attest to that. But they're trying to make him out to be some kind of anti-Jewish. A bigot, which is absurd.
2: Wasn't that his ridiculous?
1: Daughter, his, his daughter, Ivanka, is a convert. His well, son wasn't Ivanka that, that called uh, ridiculous?
2: He ridiculous?
1: Jerusalem the capital of Israel. He's given Israel more money than it ever had before. He's adopted an Israeli foreign policy, frankly. He, I wish he were a little more standoffish because he ought not to be succumbing to the pressures of APAC.
2: But did you but hear that there, call? Did you hear that? It, it was very disgusting. Especially uh, as a prank call, that that was not good. Uh, especially since we already know that caller is far is on the far left, just like Hillary. Remember what she said recently. Let's let's play that audio.
1: Sure. Have you got it? I don't want to go around insulting people. I don't want to paint with a broad brush. Every immigrant is this. Every African American is that. Every you know other person with you know different religious beliefs or whatever. You know, that is, that's childish. What do you think of Cory Booker's, and you didn't comment on him, and you feel free Oh, I, I adore you know, him. What do you think about him saying, kick them in the shins, essentially, start to get to that kind of political. Well, that was Eric Holder. Yeah. Eric Holder. Oh, Eric Holder. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know they all look alike. No, they don't. Do.
0: <laughs> oh, well done.
2: They all look alike, Jim.
1: amazing well that was that was a joke by hillary i mean i know that she was clearly off of the common you know saying from the past so i don't hold that against (laughs) her but hillary has been doing everything she can she said we can't be civil you know because they're trying to destroy everything we stand for well that's the antithesis of the american political tradition we are civil with one another in spite of the fact that we have opposing point of view in fact The fundamental premise on freedom of speech is not to protect popular speech. Popular speech doesn't require protection. It's to protect unpopular speech. And let me give you one reason why Alex Jones has played such an important part. There are four stages in reasoning things through scientifically. You begin with a puzzling situation. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit into your background knowledge. In order to sort it out, you have to speculate about all the different possible explanations that might take place. A, B, C, D, E. Some may be completely far out, but it's essential that you go through this stage of speculation to get all the alternatives onto the table so you can start sorting them out in relation to the available evidence. And then you have to ask, Oh, which hypothesis, if it were true, would confer the highest probability on the available evidence? By the way, Jim,
2: we are definitely coming to a close in a few moments here, but there, there is one more audio clip that I wanted you to hear. That, of course, was CNN's Don Lemon.
1: Yeah, Don Lemon. This is just unbelievable. Go ahead. not just Pittsburgh. It's not just the bomber. There was another hate-filled criminal just last week
4: in Kentucky. Another white man, history of violence, white man. custody for shooting and
2: killing two African Americans at a grocery store, Kroger's. But what he tried to do was barge into a predominantly black church. He failed, and then he picked a secondary target. He's being investigated for hate crimes. Don Lemon is here right now. We barely had time to cover it because we were distracted by
1: another extremist. There he is that Don was Lemon. Bad things in the name of hate.
2: Bring him in, and then now another one. And you have all of them in a row. And, you know, we talked, we messaged about this a little bit this weekend. I keep trying to point out to people not to demonize any one group or any one ethnicity, but we keep thinking that the biggest terror threat is something else. Some, some, some people who are marching, you know, towards the border like it's imminent. And when the last time they did this, a couple hundred people came and they, you know, most did get into the country. Most of them tired, you know, got tuckered out before they even made it to the border. Um, so we have to stop demonizing people and realize the biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, up to the right, and we have to start doing something about them. There is no travel
1: ban on them. Amazing. I know, it's absolutely disgusting. This guy ought not to be on any network, but CNN, you see, is completely CIA 24-7. Uh, listen, here's what they've done lately, and these are basically Mossad ops, okay? I think these are being orchestrated out of Broward County. You'll see one of those uh, articles from State of the Nation is a brilliant expose of how these ops around the country seem to be orchestrated by these Mossad units operating out of Broward County. They had one in Kentucky that show you they're going after the blacks. They had this one in Pittsburgh to show you they're going after the Jews. They had one in Tallahassee to show you the going after women. Okay, there it couldn't be more obvious that this is totally manufactured. None of this is real. It's all as phony as the plastic bombs that were being made mailed out that were supposed to be uh sent to the leading figures in the Democratic Party. And if you didn't get one of these phony bombs, you felt you'd been left out, neglected. You were envious of those who did. These are all orchestrated events that are supposed to add to Criticism of Donald Trump, he's responsible for none of it. The fact is he's much too effective in in breaking up the deep state, exposing the fake news media, and and the hypocrisy of these other entities. I never got to Hillary and Bill Clinton, but believe me, uh, their attitudes toward women are totally exploited by both of them. There are absolutely horrific stories, including videos that have emerged about Hillary and Huma, abusing young girls, I mean, they are so disgusting, I can't describe them on the air, it would make you want to puke. And Bill Clinton has been raping women his whole life when he was back in Arkansas, and the Democrats never gave a damn about it, they never cared, because he was one of theirs.
2: Oh, that's right, Mr. Cocaine Cowboy, Mina Arkansas, definitely something to look into with one crooked Bill and crooked Hillary. We won't even have to mention the Uranium One deal. But, Jim, my goodness, it's been an honor and pleasure to have you back on the program once again. It was a very amazing conversation with you here.
1: Well, Michael, it's always a pleasure. I, I, I just like being with you. I There's some qualities in you that I find very sympathetic, intelligent, responsible. I like being on the air with you. So you know, any, any any time, Michael, I'll, I'll be here. I'll be glad to come back again. And I thank you for these opportunities.
2: Yes, sir. And I feel the exact same way. It's always an honor and tremendous pleasure to have you on the program and talk to all the listeners out there. Everyone just loves you to death, Jim, especially my listeners. They're always emailing me, sending me private messages, asking me when the hell is Jim going to come back? <laughs>
1: It well, never fails. Well, Michael, you, you know, you let me know next time. I'll look forward to it.
2: No problem. Thank you so much, Jim, and have a good night. You too. Right, bye-bye. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. I do want to thank all of you out there for listening to that conversation between me and Mr. Jim Fetzer. Of course, check out all his work, Moonrocks, moonrockbooks.com, rather. And, of course, I'm going to go on a little break right now. And when I return, Mike Hideous joins me here live. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. That um, that Michael DeCon he uh, he had the nerve to post. He had the nerve to uh, comment on some of my on some of
0: my posts on my damage.
2: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Joining me live right now is Mike Hideous. What's going on, Mike?
0: Hello, Michael. How are you? Can you hear me all right?
2: Hearing you loud and clear. You were having some difficulty with your microphone. I'm glad we got that uh, worked out.
0: Actually, it was your microphone that you had, uh, sent me a while back. I might have done something wrong. I'm not sure, but you know what? I'm here now. So that's all that matters.
2: Amazing. I'm so glad you could, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm so glad you could be here. It's been such a long time. Uh, it has, it really has. I, I can't even believe it.
0: That's all right. I mean, you're a busy man and I'm happy for you. I'm glad you're doing so well with the program. Um, and you know, I, I've I've been caught up. This has been probably one of the worst years in my life. Um, and I it, it's it's just been bad since from October 2017 until this year, uh, this month, I should say. Just full of dread and problems and issues. And I'm not going to bore everybody, but I mean, it's just been a bad year. Uh, I'm so glad it's almost over.
2: Yes, it really has been a bad year, and of course. Mike, tell the audience just a little bit about yourself. I didn't really get too much of a chance to do that since I was running out of time, worrying no about problem. the first guest. But yeah, go ahead, Mike.
0: Uh basically, um uh my name is Mike Hideous, um uh singer, uh performer, songwriter. I've played with uh my band called the Empire Hideous. I've played with my other band, the uh Spy Society Ninety Nine. Um, I've also, uh, I sang for the Misfits in 1998. I sang for the Bronx Casket Company between 1998 and 2003 or two. Um, I'm an artist. I'm a photographer. And uh, that's about it, I think.
2: Right. And one of the last times I saw you, you were actually streaming on Facebook. You actually went and did an acoustic set. Tell me about that. I was amazed once I saw you live and direct.
0: Wow, thank you. Um, well, basically it comes down to this. Last Halloween, last year, uh I had contacted a friend of mine who lives in New Jersey out here, or uh, on the East Coast, and I asked if he would be interested in hosting an acoustic event um, with former members of Empire Hideous uh, playing both old and new material. And he said yes, of course. Him and I have been friends for many years. And um so basically it was a party at his house a Halloween party. Now mind you this was a year ago Halloween. And uh the reason I had asked him if he wanted, if he would let me do this was because this Halloween 2018 was the 30th year anniversary of my band The Empire Hideous. Now I haven't been I haven't been uh performing since 2008 and um i just and that was 20 years at that point uh so i haven't sang in a decade uh and i just wanted to do it i, I contacted um i ch- i contacted jeff austin my old guitar player i contacted fred uh fred zoller uh, f- also a former member of the empire Idiots. um who else uh, byron Barberi, the the drummer uh Johnny Nickel on guitar, and Dan Esser on bass. And as I said, it was just something I wanted to do. And um, to tell you the honest truth, I'll be very truthful with you. The reason I did this was because I was asked to do this by my former uh, live-in girlfriend. I'm
2: surprised who, you did it, man, to be honest with you.
0: Well, you know what? After I made the promise, I realized it wasn't a promise. It was no longer a promise to her. It was a promise to me. I wanted to do it. I wanted to keep, you know, I wanted to, I guess it, it, it's not like it was at a, a public event, uh, you know, at a club or anything or a concert hall. It was just an acoustic uh, gig at a friend's party. And, uh, you know, initially, like I said, it was, it was a promise I made to somebody else. But after that person was out of my life, I said, you know what? I'm I'm going to keep it and then I'm going to try to see if I can do something further after that. So, I was concerned because I didn't know if um I didn't know if my vocals would would hold up and how I would be. Uh but
2: you did really good, man, and I have thank- to I have to say, man, you know, I've watched you perform live. Well, I wasn't there, but live video of you, uh, you know, through YouTube and of course just just uh recently and you looked happy Mike i have to say
0: well uh i'm happy because i washed that bitch right out of my hair um, <laughs> yes she she's history and she caused me a lot of pain and turmoil uh constant lying and and just oh my god just absolute hypocrite um so yeah that that was really holding me down for 2 years and uh uh so yeah she's gone Thank goodness.
2: I have to play this kind of music when you talk about her now. (laughs) Now that she's gone.
0: Very, very accurate.
2: She's Uh, gone from your hands. (laughs) My God. But isn't it better (laughs) once...
0: You should have something like The Exorcist music playing. That's what it was like living with her. Oh, my God.
2: Well... I'm glad you finally got her out of your <laughs> hands, but definitely, I'm sure this was the music you heard when she was around. For two years in my head, yes, oh, every day. Oh, God. Yeah, that, that's terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was. I had to go to court and everything with that bitch.
2: Holy shit, you had to go to court?
0: Yeah, twice. Twice.
2: Wow. No. That is um, amazing.
0: I, for the record, uh, I also, I won too. Um so I I proved myself innocent in court the first time and then the second time she bailed when she found out I had um a witness that was gonna prove her wrong, wrong and embarrass her again in court. So um she she canceled it. So out of default I won. That twice. is a
2: that is amazing. I'm so glad you won and you know this goes back to what I was talking about earlier with the first guest, but I, I think he already agreed with me and I, I think I, I think you will too. The fact that there does seem to be a war on men in America, you are almost a victim of that.
0: Yeah, it's called, it's called feminism. That's what's, that's what this country's going through right now. It's this constant bashing down of males left and right. Don't get me wrong, Michael. What I'm going through right now is this constant slander by, by this person who, who continually says that I'm an abusive person. I'm not an abusive person. She's just out of her fucking mind and i've never I have never hit a woman in my life. okay I've never hit a woman. I have never consciously consciously made a fist and punched a woman in the face. That, that's abuse, okay. I've never done that. but living in in, in a situation where a, a person tells you, "I'm depressed." And then, like, I'm supposed to like, well, you know, what do you want me to do? I don't know. If you don't know, then then you're not doing the right thing. You're not doing a good enough job. Well, how does it, how does it fucking become my my problem? You know, like, how did I, how did I become the the reason you're depressed? You know what I'm saying? So this is the kind of shit I went through for two years, and it was just constant insanity, constant. And then at the end, it became a double edged sword. And she kept telling me she didn't want me to. You know what? I'm sorry. I don't want to go on
2: and on. It's okay. I'm. I'm glad you're telling me this because it is true, and it's good to get it out. I want you to get it out, and I want other people to listen to this.
0: I would take up the entire. uh, No, uh, that's fine.
2: No, that's (laughs) fine, Mike. This is a very serious issue, a very important one for young men, especially, and you know they're thinking about perhaps getting married one day. Mm -hmm. This is a good warning to the younger men out there to let them know what exactly awaits them.
0: Well, if I may say, in, in my personal opinion, and if there's any women that are li- listening out there right now, this is not, I, I don't want to be taken No, longer.
2: Mike, don't, don't worry. It's okay. This is the, the re- this is the second half of the program where we let our, our hair down, per se. A lot of the little ladies out there will not like the facts being kicked around like this, but it is our part of our duty, Mike. It's our job. To not censor ourselves, not to filter ourselves, we have to be men. And that's one of the things that is looked down upon in America today. You're not allowed to be a guy anymore. You no. see it from the liberal left. It's yeah, no. insane.
0: Okay, let me ask you a question. If 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 you have any female listeners out there, would you ask them to call in on this topic?
2: They could definitely call in. If women want to weigh in on this topic, I'll be more than happy to Discuss this. That number is seven six zero three three two eighty seven twenty four. One more time, seven six zero three three two eighty seven twenty
0: four. If I may, Michael, let me just state a topic here, and, and if anybody out there wants to call in about it, by all means, please, and tell me if you think I'm wrong. For two years, I lived in a situation where this person would tell me they were depressed constantly, and every time I tried to work it out and help. I didn't know what the problem was. I'm not a psychologist. I'm a performer. I'm a, I'm a singer. I'm an artist. I'm a, a writer. I'm a, a, a photographer. I mean, I don't have a Ph.D. in psychology. So every week when I was told by – in fact, it was more than once a week. It, sometimes it was like every other day. Sometimes it was every day. I'd be here doing my thing. This is before she moved in. I'd be here doing my thing, and all of a sudden I get a phone call, uh and it's her. I'm depressed. And I would say, oh, okay, what do you want me to do? And then she would yell at me and say, well, if you don't know, uh, then you're not doing a good enough job as my boyfriend. Wow. Yeah. So amazing. Right. So how, how is that? How, like I said before, how does that become my fault? And then on top of that, she would say stuff like, I hate you. I hope you die. Oh my oh, God. I hope you put a gun to your head and pull the trigger. You're the you're the cause of all my problems. I hate you. You're a fucking faggot. Fuck you. You. I mean, just the most vile, hateful. Michael, I've been dating for a long time, and never, ever, ever once in my life did I ever have a significant other who ever said the things that that she said to me. Never. And yet, she called me abusive. That that girl came at me five separate times on five separate instances where she came at me and physically attacked me.
2: That's incredible. But, yeah, that's what happens. And I have to say, I'm pretty sure she probably lied about a few things that went down that night.
0: Absolutely. She lied in court. I watched her in court lie on the witness stand. That's why after the first time when we were in court, that's when I got a witness. And I not only had one, I had two. The other one couldn't make it that day, but I had two witnesses that were going to show her what a lying hypocrite she was, and she she just couldn't she couldn't do it. She canceled the court date. So I'm
2: not surprised to hear
0: that. So all right, so not not to get on your show and and bitch about my personal life. Here's the deal: feminism is really out of control. It's in league with liberalism and a couple other things that I don't want to get into right now, but Ultimately, uh, it's it's the de of men in this country. Yeah,
2: and yeah. we see that sort of victim mentality as well. It's very prominent in today's culture and society. And also going back to what we're just talking about here with the women, I remember not so long ago some older man was calling me a misogynist. And I, <laughs> could, I couldn't help but laugh because we all know that women are the biggest misogynists there are. You can never find two women who can get along and don't talk behind each other's backs.
0: Oh my god, women hate women. They, they I I don't think I've ever This girl I was with last time, she was ev- she was dude, she would get mad at girls that I knew from high school that I dated when I was 18, 17. They all years do. Old. They all yeah. do. Yeah. Um and she would call them these vicious vile names and I'm like, "What is your problem? You're supposed to get married to me. I've told you that I I'm I'm committed to you and you're you're a, you're jealous about a girl that I dated in nineteen eighty four
2: My goodness, yeah, that sounds uh, about right
0: that's that's insanity that's insanity that is psychologically unsound
2: Anywho. It, it makes no sense, but that is true. I remember my aunt and uncle having some sort of discussion about that, and uh, you know they went kind of um I wouldn't say they went crazy but she got very angry with some girl that he used to see back when he was probably 12 or 13 years old and there was a photo from that. And she oh, that's was, ridiculous. She was saying, who's that? And she was actually very angry. I'm not even joking.
0: This, this one, this one too. She wanted me to get what, rid of my, now mind you, I was married. I was married from 1990, I believe it was 92 to 95. Yeah. And she wanted this girl I was with last time. She wanted me to get rid of, um, my wedding album. Like 26 years ago,
2: she wanted she wanted you to get rid of that.
0: Yeah, that's she outrageous. To, yeah, and she like I even had a, 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 I think it was a 12 by 24 photograph that my parents used to have hanging on their wall when I was married. Now, mind you, after I got separated uh, and divorced, they eventually took it down. Of course, I asked them to. I was like, look, it's there's no reason to keep it up. They took it down. But when my mother died and my father moved out of the home that he was living in, uh, back, uh, about five years ago, I think, um, he had given me the picture. He's like, here, you know, take this. So I kept it. I didn't have it on my wall. I had it like, you know, stored away. And my last girlfriend was like, you need to get rid of that. Why do you have that? You're not married anymore. What what, do you love her? No.
2: Yeah. That's the (laughs) first thing they say. And that's one of the things that I heard was, do you love her? It's kind of, uh, it echoes the same thing here. Wow.
0: And you know Incredible. what? You know what, Mike? I got to say this. I got to say this. Me right now on your talk show talking to you about these circumstances, it doesn't bother me. You know why? Because she went on Facebook and she posted the most private, personal circumstances and and situations about my life when I had gone through through my last bout with cancer, and she told everybody the most private, personal things about my life. That's vile. She went, yeah. That's she vile. She went online and told all her friends online about it, and that was the last straw, aside from the fact that she was seeing other people, you know, when she was telling me not to see other people as well, when we were allegedly, quote, unquote, trying to work things out, unquote. Um And so, yeah, she, she was just – Everything she did, did was was counteracted to what she would say. Like she, it was like you know, do what I say, not what I do. Is that wait? Do what I? No wait. Did I say that right, Mike?
2: <laughs> I, I understood what you were saying, <laughs> and I do agree with you though.
0: Yeah, do what I say,
2: not, not what as, I do. Not do as person. I say, not as I do. Exactly. For sure. Go. I've heard that before, and it's very true. And uh, yeah, again, going back to that, I know many married men out there. And, uh, they're in these relationships that they don't even want to be in and they're almost held captive in there. And I always want to just tell them, why don't you just break away from that? But however, it's not exactly that easy when there's financial trouble going on and, and there's kids perhaps, you know, you know that know, song and yeah. dance.
0: Absolutely, and you know, a lot of times too. And and you might be able to understand this if you've been with a woman long enough or a guide. It, it goes both ways. A lot of times it becomes habitual, and you don't want to break away from that person because you feel comfortable. You, you're you're addicted to that. Person yeah, you get lock, You get locked into a certain routine. Precisely, precisely. So. It's not easy always to break away. But believe me, I didn't want to break away from this woman. I was madly in love with her.
2: You were in love with her. I remember you telling me about her. Absolutely. You seemed happy, and I even told you that. Yeah. You had that – I was going to say the F-bomb right there. I was going to say you had that fucking face of just (laughs) – of of happiness. And you had that same fucking face when when you were playing the live show. On Facebook that's right. There.
0: At least at least that that love of my life will never lie to me. Um, My music will never lie to me. Right. Nor, nor will my animals that I love. But this woman comes into my life and tells oh, I feel like such a jerk. I'm talking about all this nonsense on, on your show. No, she comes okay into enough. my life and makes all these promises. I'm going to be the best person you ever had in your life, the best girl in your life. And look, you know what? J- just to get away from her for a second you know what it comes down to? And and this is just my opinion. I I firmly believe that it is these days, these these days that we live in this time, that is giving the false impression to younger women that um, it's not okay to flirt. It's not okay to look. It's not okay to, you know, walk up to somebody and say, Hey, can I buy you a drink? Or, you know, there are things that are, are considered to be, uh, allegedly molestation or rape or, um, stepping over boundaries that I, I just find kind of silly because in this, in the, in the giant picture of things, if a man is attracted to a woman or vice versa, usually it starts out with the first look and then you make the second look with, or the second step, which is introduction, talking to, and you know, sometimes let's face it, hormones get involved. The guys get a little excited if they see a a woman that's dressed provocatively. uh, Exactly. I mean, if you don't want people to look at you, then don't wear low cut, you know, low cut shirts and don't wear high skirts and don't wear tight, tight jeans that are going to show off your ass and everything else. I mean, that's, there's a reason that people dress sexy, right, to, to, attract, to attract other
2: exactly. And by the way, we we are sex. Mike. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but we are joined by another soul who has been trying to call in here nonstop. Let's hear what he has to say now. Caller, what's up, man?
4: Hello, hello. <sighs>
5: what do
2: what do you think about the stuff going on in the world? Where, were you masturbating just now? What? Yeah, you. There was this, uh, this sound I've heard before because I, you know, I've done that sound before. So I'm very (laughs) curious. Were you, were you masturbating, sir? Yes. Amazing. Well, that's okay. That's okay. A lot of people do that when they listen to the program. It happens.
0: (laughs) It's Mike's (laughs) voice.
2: (laughs) How how are you doing, sir? Where are you from? I, I am from the England. England. Ignorance. Oh, okay. And and what's your name, sir? My name is John Roosevelt. This is a the third. John Roosevelt the third, Mike.
0: <laughs> Hello, John Roosevelt the yes.
2: third. Incredible. Did you have a question or, or something you wanted to add to the conversation? We were talking about the war on men in America. Do you feel that way, Carl? Yeah.
5: Yeah, I think yeah. The war on men. To be honest, I think you should kill all of the, uh, millennials.
2: All the millennials want them <laughs> dead.
5: Yes, all the millennials should be dead. Exterminated.
2: That, you know, that, that might happen. Some of the people out there do not like them very much. They might get gunned down, uh, sadly one day. Hopefully not. Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to see that happen. Do you have yeah. a girlfriend? Yeah, do you have a girlfriend caller?
5: Uh, I did have a girlfriend, but uh, she dumped me, and I beat her up. I was like, ah, ah. Did, did you, do, so that, that totally did you right. do
2: some karate on her?
5: Yes, I did. Uh, I did the karate. Did
2: you so. chop her in the yeah. throat? Uh, no. That's a pretty effective move. I used my I use my bare hands. Oh, okay. You're a man's man then. Right to the point.
5: Yes, I am, I'm am a man's man.
2: That's pretty alpha.
5: Yes, but do not let the man's touch me or
2: well, they get the beat down. That's right. That's right, sir. <laughs> that, that is right. Amen. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. By the way, caller, how on earth did you discover the program? Were, were you looking for Mr. Jim Fetzer and found, uh, this little show here?
5: Oh, I was looking to buy Pizza Hut and I found the show number. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna call it. <laughs>
2: Amazing. By the way, some someone yeah. in the chat room was comparing you to a Hulkamaniac. I'm a Hulkamaniac. Uh, yeah. Is Hulk a good guy? I think I think they're referring to you as a Hulk Hogan type uh, fan or personality type. Okay, well I think Hulk is a good guy. I'm gonna look up Hulk Hogan. You never heard of Hulk Hogan? I mean. I'm from England, so I, I don't know about Hulk Hogan. You didn't hear about his sex tape with Bubba the Love Sponge's uh, ex wife oh. there. Mm. Oh, well, I never heard of the... Oh, it says here that Hulk Hogan said
5: the N-word one time. That's true, he did. Oh, my. Okay, well, I don't know. Should I take that as
2: an insult or a compliment? I think I'm going to take it as an insult. I think probably an insult, yeah. But he's Why? been. Are, are yeah. you an N-word? Are you an N-word, sir? <laughs> Am I an N-word? Yes.
5: Well, I mean, I don't really like the N-words, but so no, I'm not the N-word.
2: Understood. Uh, Yes. Understood. Yes, yes. (laughs) Amazing. Caller, did you have anything else to add before we travel on here?
5: Uh, Yes. Go ahead, go ahead. What do you think of the Rush Limbaugh's? The Rush Limbaugh's? Yes, the Rush Limbaugh's.
2: Ah, yes, Yes. Rush. You know, he's a great guy. He does a a tremendous job. However, I'm not a big fan of his program, but I do respect Uh the fact that he's been in the business, in the radio business, for as long as that he has. And he's not like that Don Imus, who's just trash.
5: Okay, is Don Imus a Jew? I think
2: he might be. The fact that he's been able to stay in sort of that that industry for as long as that he has, when you don't even understand a single word that comes out of Don Imus's mouth.
5: He's a jailer. Well, I think Don Eidegus, whatever his name is, <laughs> he might have secretly caused the synagogue. You, you, know, he you know the synagogue, did. He, yeah, he probably did too that, early. to be honest. Too early.
2: I, I think he's a bad guy. I think he might have, yes. yeah, he might have just, you know, conspired that whole event himself from the ranch. Ooh. Ooh. Him and Deidre. Yes, yes. Too early. Okay, well, it it, <laughs> it was, was, it was
5: very fun talking to you guys. I must go. And practice my karate moves. All right. Amazing.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for that call. So I'm
5: gonna, I'm gonna, all right. So I'm gonna karate chop the end call button.
2: Hi. Uh, <laughs> and there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Now, th- now that's how you make a, a great call there to the program. I'll oh, say. <laughs> that was good, right? That was nuts. <laughs> he was good. I really do appreciate that. And wow. Yeah, man, he he brought it in, and that that's what you have to do here on the program. If you do call, you have to be entertaining a little bit. Can't just come in here with a a, yeah. You just can't come in here with a with a boring call now.
0: Not at all. But that was definitely uh, that that was interesting. I I I didn't know how to respond in many instances.
2: (laughs) Oh, I know. It was it was fun, and I, I definitely hope he calls back again. Really did enjoy that. And my God, I don't even know what we were just talking about before we took that call.
0: Well, uh, we were discussing the whole feminism, feminism, uh, takeover of America, um, and no, how true. it's affecting things. Like, you, you you can't even, uh, uh, there are just a lot of things you can't do because it, 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 you're so worried about being offensive to people or getting in trouble. I mean, uh, if I may, for the last, let's see, since July, when I, I was dealing with the, you know, the, the probability of going to court and so on and so forth, I was more worried that I would be accused of something I did not do, which is why I had to find people that stood, stood at my side and were able to back me up and were witness, uh, to the, the lies that my former was making. Um, and she's still m- making these slanderous, comments online about me and calling me abusive, but I'm not abusive. I'm not an abusive person. And so it it was very difficult because I was worried that I was going to get, you know, I I could have been charged for something.
2: You were almost me too, basically.
0: Yeah. But you know what, what really brought me down to earth was that I knew there was no proof that she could have had that I was abusive. She had, you know, showing pictures of, oh, I've got a scratch on my arm. Oh Mike, no. Mike, Mike did it. Mike oh, did it. Oh boy. She, uh, oh, she went it, that route. Yeah. You see this, you see this, uh, uh, what, 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 she, she showed like, she had a bump on her head from one of our scuffles. Um, that was the day she threw a, a full water bottle at my head. Um, and so, you know, Holy it, shit. It, 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 yeah, it's always it's it's, wow. it's always black and white. She says, "Mike did this, Mike did that, Mike did this, Mike did that." Never tells everybody, "Well, you see, I I punched Mike in the head. That's why Mike grabbed me by the arms and pushed me away from him or pushed me down to to stop fighting." Um, I threw a water bottle at Mike's head and Got him pissed off, and that's why we had a scuffle, and that's how I got this bump on my head because I fell off my on my fat ass (laughs) and hit and hit the wall.
2: Mike, by the by the way, I must ask you really quickly: was that water bottle frozen at all?
0: No, it wasn't, but it was full. And she she went to whip it at my head, and 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 the and the excuse after that was I never hit you. Yeah, but you threw it at my fucking head. You know what I'm saying? You intended to throw it at me. Don't don't sit there and tell me that you you meant to throw it. Past me because if that's your 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 plan, well, what the fuck are you throwing a water ball in the first place for
2: yeah that's very dangerous, and yeah, when it gets to that point where one party or the other really does try to impose some sort of physical harm, that's when you know the writing is on the wall, and you've got to get the hell out of dodge exactly, you know one of the, my worst nightmares, Mike, is say one day I'm asleep. And I'm with I'm with with a woman that you know I love and all that jazz. And I wake up with with a pillow being wrapped around my face. Mm -hmm. You know that's one of my deepest concerns.
0: Yeah, you you know you know what my deep concern was for the longest time is worrying about
2: a knife to the throat.
0: No, even worse, having my nine millimeter in the drawer next to me. Holy shit and wondering whether or not it was going to disappear and end up in my mouth or at my head while I was sleeping.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah, that's another one of those concerns that you just never want to go there, especially if you have a significant other that you think would actually do that sort of thing to you. Mm -hmm. Definitely want to get out of Dodge.
0: Well, like I was saying before, when your significant other tells you, I fucking hate you and I hope you die, how can you not think of something like that? Oh yeah, that's a red flag, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So, all, all right. So, enough about me. You know, I'm sorry. I have I have just bitched too much on your show already. Let's talk in gen- generic versions here. So, women women that have these issues that that believe um, a guy can't talk to them or can't look at them that that's a problem. That and to me that's a psychological problem. You know, where, where's the flirtation part of uh? Of, of courting, you know, the beginnings of meeting somebody and, and how you look at them. I'm not talking about rape or, you know, forcing yourself on somebody. No, that's wrong. We're, we're a civilized nation. We're not, we don't do stuff like, like that, but I think it's taken out of, um, context these days because I don't, I I don't think the younger generation understands what the process is of Courting and boy meets girl kind of thing. Oh, uh, no,
2: not at all. This is this isn't that generation anymore, Mike.
0: No, it's not.
2: Nowadays, you have women that have multiple emails, multiple social media accounts. They're talking to a bunch of guys and seeing a bunch of guys. And especially when I talk to some of the older generations, and they talk about, you know, there, there's less and less marriage going on in America. No one's getting married. That's what they're talking a lot about, and it's like, well, these older, the older generation doesn't realize that today's younger women are just completely different.
0: What well, no, without, without a doubt, different creature. Do you know, you know why? What, what I blame that on? Um And this is again just my personal opinion, but I, I firmly believe that a lot of um uh, the lack of morals. Is an event caused by mass divorce. Uh, I was lucky enough to be brought up by a mother and father who never got divorced. You know, my mom died in 2011. Um, and my point is this, the, the people that I have seen grow up without a mother or a father, uh, you know, one or the other or both, they grow up with different values. They, they don't, you see, when I was a kid, I was brought up with Christian values. My parents were Italian, uh Catholic, Roman Catholic, and I was taught the basic fundamentals of how life as an American boy or a young man should be, which is praise God, get a job nine to five, work hard, get married, have children, support your family, so on and so forth. Now, n- not for nothing, and not to change the subject, but let's just say hypothetically, the the American boy is taught everything I just told you, worship God, go to church, get a job nine to five, work hard, get a wife, have children, uh, take care of them. Let's just say that that guy in that relationship is a closet homosexual, okay? Even if back in the day, 90% I, – I, I'm just throwing a poll out there. I don't know exactly what the percentage-wise is, but – a, a large portion of gay men that were in the closet back in the, from the early 20th century, right up until like the 60s, 70s. If they were gay, they still had a relationship with a woman, produced children, uh, and went on and did their, um, their other sexual affairs outside of the marriage.
2: That's very now, true. And we see celebrities do that today as well.
0: Absolutely. Amazing. Um, and, and I, I think that at least at that point, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's wrong to be homosexual. There's I nothing wrong
2: one, with that. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't care
0: one way or another. I've got plenty of friends who are gay and they, they respect me as I respect them. I don't care what they're into, but they're also, these are older, older guys too. So yeah, they've come out, you know, since the eighties and the nineties and everybody's happy and all and, and nobody really cares whether they're gay or not, but my point is, is this, when you you were, whether you were gay or, or, or say that the relationship broke up, it's the children that grew up without a parent that right. don't have standard American values. And it's not just American values, it's standard values of social being, social, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh... You know, just, just how to act in, in, in society.
2: Yeah, that goes back to what you were just saying, the lack of moral character that covers a lot of what we're talking about right now. Absolutely. Right. And I agree. I, I see that all the time. You see these individuals that don't even know how to properly talk to the rest of the world. It's very unusual to see
0: that. That's right. And and, and the lack now this of common consent, sense,
2: the lack of common sense is what it is. That's
0: too. right, Michael. That's right. And you know what? Here's another thing that I notice. It might seem weird, but in the animal kingdom, for example, elephants. Okay, when elephant herds are slaughtered, they're culled by by scumbag poachers who 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 cut the fucking tusks right out of these poor animals as they're still alive, and their little babies. Watching as their entire families, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, sisters, cousins, brothers, all of the animal uh, of the elephant's family slaughtered in front of them. And they leave the babies, okay? 80, out of, out of an entire elephant family, 80 of them are killed. The babies are left to grow up on their own, okay? Now what happens as a result of all these, these, these relative elephants being slaughtered in front of these baby elephants, they grow up not knowing how to be social in the animal kingdom. As a result, they become wild. They become uh, aggressive. They fight rhinoceros and hippopotamus and other elephants because they are not taught the fundamentals of their species in the animal kingdom. Now, what's I my never point? never that. Yeah, oh I saw this years ago. I saw this on on a on a nature program. And if you if you look at let's look at a humanity. We are an animal species. If you take away our parents and you grow up on your own, what? Just because we're human, we're supposed to be better than everything else? No. We don't learn the fundamentals of our of our 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 uh, species and how to act in an, in an, a civilized world. Let's face it, America out of all the countries in the world, America is the most liberal, kind, most decent country in the world in history. All right. So we have these understandings on how to act in in in, in civilization. Take the teacher away, and you you have to start all over again.
2: Indeed, yes. I don't yeah, even have saying, right? yeah. I don't even have any arguments with that. Not one iota.
0: Because and it's not right. just elephants. It, it, and the reason I brought up the elephants is because they're, they're species that have a big brain. They're family-oriented. Um, the same thing with the whales. When they do mass killings of, like, killer whales or humpback whales or blue whales, these giant, giant animals with, with massive brains that know what it's like to have a family and a unit, take that away and, and slaughter them in front of a baby – and the babies no longer know how to function. That's over. Right. So it's the same principle in humanity. At least that's how I see it. And well, I'm, it makes sure sense, other, yeah. I'm sure other people would agree with me.
2: I think so, too. It makes plenty of sense. And to add on to that, growing up, I did notice a lot of the kids going back to like elementary school. I did notice the kids that didn't grow up with a father figure. They didn't have that sort of masculinity in the household and they were raised by their mother or grandmother and they had sisters, let's put it that way. And I noticed this sort of behavior with them that you couldn't really rough house with them. You couldn't really, you really couldn't be, you know, a boy messing around and joking around with another uh, fellow boy there. You had to be extra sensitive and you couldn't really talk to them the certain way you could talk to the other boys. And I noticed that these kids were very feminine. Yeah. I'm not quite sure if you've ever noticed that when you were Absolutely. growing up. Absolutely. Of course I you have, did. Yes. Right. Okay. See, that's what in I'm fact, talking about. As far it's
0: back, it's, back as when I was in grammar it's school. It's so weird. I noticed things like that.
2: It's really strange. But that is something that I observed when I was really young. And it's it's something that stuck with me throughout my entire lifetime. Just because of that observation I had with the other kids and it made me very thankful that I grew up with both mom and dad, and not in that sort of situation. It really made me thankful, in other words. And yeah. I feel for those out there who didn't have that sort of experience.
0: Absolutely. I agree with you 100% on that comment, and, and I also agree with you uh having grown up. I was very thankful that both of my parents were together right till the end, and not all my friends or significant others in the past were lucky enough and I'm gonna say another thing now, go ahead, please try, for anybody that's listening out there, try to don't take this the wrong way. I'm trying to explain it as best as I can without sounding rude or obnoxious. When I used to date women who did not have a father figure uh and they were being raised by just the mother many, many times these women, these girls, these young girls were more sexually active and involved than girls who had their parents where a father would say, if you have sex with that guy, I will beat your ass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There, there was, um,
2: well, there were, there were cases like that, but I do recall knowing, uh, this was mm, prob, I would have to say, yeah, this was probably around my senior year. I remember having uh, a female friend of mine who I was seeing at the time. I remember her father used to bring her over. And I would think that's very unusual that the dad would bring her to the house. And then I realized, well, there was no mother in the
0: picture. It was just the dad and and the daughter. And how? I mean, did she seem? Uh,
2: she seemed any- normal. We we didn't we never really you know did anything sexually at the time. You Not, were young. Yeah, I was young. I was you know just kind of afraid of her in a sense. And yeah. it, oh, nothing you really 13, happened.
0: 14? How old were you?
2: I think I probably was maybe 16 years old. Oh, okay. It's when just, did
0: you lose your virginity? I I think I might have been 16. Yeah, so was I.
2: Yeah, I might have been 16 years old. But this is a girl I didn't I didn't sleep with or do anything. But her dad, I remember, did bring her to the house a couple times. And it always made me think, I wonder, wonder what the mom thinks about that. <laughs> I honestly did. That was one of the first things that
0: I thought about. Well, again, if I may what I noticed starting in high school when I started to date girls and I, I started dating girls at 13. Um, and I think by the time I was, uh, 14, you know, I was going on, if you will, dates I see. Uh, and, you know, going to second, second, third base. Right on, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 16. And, uh, uh, Oddly enough the girl who I lost my virginity to she she was also uh, came from a household with uh two parents and uh siblings. Uh so my point is this as I got older once I became like 18 uh even actually 17 um one of the first girls that I allegedly you know fell in love with if right you know. yeah um even her she she was living in a household where her mother was divorced, but living with her her boyfriend, and the the daughter who I was dating at the time at seventeen, eighteen, she was um you know very promiscuous, you know she was having a sexually active life. Now, I, you know, don't get me wrong, sex can start at an, an early age, and as liar as it, as whore, be- liar
1: whore, and you know it.
0: Sixteen years old, you know, that was, my, that was my start. But as I got into 17, 18 years old, the girls that I started to date, those who were uh, living in a household that didn't have a father, their morals were a little bit more lax. Yeah, tended. a little different, yeah. Yeah, they right. they tended to be a little bit more, well, a lot more open, more sexually active. Um, and I think it had to do with the fact that they didn't have, a certain restriction from moral values, like yeah. family values, like a father saying, you know, if I catch you in that room with that boy, I'm gonna break your ass and his. Yeah, you know don't have I'm that. Saying?
2: Don't have that door closed now.
0: Exactly. Ah, that, yes. That was that was me. That's how I grew up. My my mother and father. I couldn't bring a girl into the house until I was like nineteen until years old.
2: All, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Until you were married, yeah, <laughs> you didn't bring no one about- home. Amazing. And it's very true. And another another thing that I really don't like seeing other men do, other young men out there, I, I, it really does pain me when I see a man go and try to hook up with another woman who already has kids, a pre-established family. That guy gets mixed in there, and then now he has to take care of some kids. And it's all fine and dandy when they're young, but when they get older, they start to resent you, and then yeah. you'll have the child say, well, you're not my father. I see it all the time.
0: You know, I, I had a couple of instances myself back in my, my younger days, uh, between the ages of like, oh, I don't know, like maybe 30 to about 40. And you know, I had a couple of girls that actually propositioned me to, 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 to be their steady boyfriend and they had already had children from other guys. Uh oh. And I had always turned down those opportunities. Got to be careful. Yeah. You know why I did? I turned it down because I knew that at the time I was at the height of my musical career, I knew that I was there was no possible way I could have been a decent father.
2: Oh, not at all. It it would have just trampled you.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would have been the end of my music career. I would have been taking care of a child. You know, it's as simple as that. So I I had... I, I had to turn away from from women that wanted to get involved with me with children. Not that I didn't like them, but, you know, I, I wasn't prepared to be a father, plain and simply.
2: In many cases, most men aren't prepared to be a father. And in many cases, the woman they're involved with annoys them to high heaven. <laughs> and <laughs> they don't want to be the father anymore. And that's where the deadbeat dad comes into play. But none of that really exists. That's a lie that's conducted by the far left, that they've been imposing that sort of thing on America for the longest time, and in most cases, you find out when you really break it down, the man really does want to be the father of the child. However, it's the woman who really annoys them and nags them, leaving them helpless to even want to even have that notion of wanting to be with that woman to take care of the child, and in many cases, that's just how it goes.
0: So you think it's um so what you're saying is that you think it's part of the left's fault? Is that what you're saying, Mike?
2: I truly do believe so. They're the ones who really try to push that agenda down uh through the media heavily.
0: I suppose you got a point there. Um I've always felt that uh like if you if you look throughout time uh, of America from from the 1600s on uh There was always that standard, as I, like, like I said before, it was always church, you know, worship God, have a good job, procreate with a wife. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was the standard of living. And as we got into the, the, the later part of the 20th century, probably into the sixties when, you know, liberalism and, and feminism was really coming about, um, and, and Things were starting to change a lot, and and you you then had the value of um, things changed because there was people were were not getting married as much. People were looking to take care of their career. Women were working. They wanted to have a career. Um, you know, before the sixties, it was you get married. That was the thing. You had to find a husband. You had to pop out some puppies and take care of the house. That was a woman's job. Now I'm not saying that's what it should be today. What I'm saying is, is that since everybody is preoccupied with a career and wanting to work hard and, and, and get a new car and their own house, that's not, that's not the standard anymore. It really that's isn't.
2: W- one second, Mike. There is another call joining us here. Let, let's bring them on. Caller, you are live on the air. What's going on?
6: Oh, hi, Um, I guess, uh, Dr. Fetzer is no longer
2: with us on the program, is he? Oh, he's MIA now. Oh, okay. I okay. do apologize. I'm sorry about that, sir.
6: Oh, no, no, that's, that's no problem. I should have, uh. It's okay. I was maybe right. listening to an earlier, uh, broadcast of it. And no worries, my friend. I just had to comment that, uh. Go ahead, yeah. Well, while, while I do agree with his work, um, I find some of his work around Vegas problematic because oh, uh-huh. there were far too many witnesses, uh, including people that I know who were there. That were there, okay. I did, did see dead people, and it would be very hard getting away with, uh, you know, there was an estimated 5,000 to 20,000 people there. Mhm. So it might be hard getting away with uh, staging something like that with so many witnesses.
2: Good yeah, that's true. It's too bad you didn't call earlier when he was here. I definitely would have loved to have heard what he would have relayed to you there. And I agree with you though yes. that is very difficult to actually pull off and I'm not someone who believes every single yeah, yeah every single tragedy is a false flag event. I'm not under that mindset. especially
6: especially the uh crisis actors being paid fifteen an hour. That's probably not enough money for them uh, to uh, probably not do a cover up you know I mean, but i, I mean here. i I agree with a lot of his other work, you know,
2: but not with everything I just
6: uh not with everything I'm yeah. with
2: you, yeah, I'm with you on that one, and that's something I want to encourage everyone out there to do. Don't always blindly follow anyone. Definitely do your own homework and come to your own conclusions. Don't, don't always believe what you see on television or in the newspapers. Use, use what's between your ears there. That's yes. right.
6: Especially not what's on the mainstream television.
2: <laughs> you really can't trust the mainstream television, especially CNN, the children of the lie. Uh, absolutely. There's so many. Oh, that's for sure. And I'm out here in California by the southern border. And, you know there's lots of people that I talk to who are just incredibly amazed that I don't support open borders and <laughs> they're just, why, why they're, just would dumb, you? they're just dumbfounded that i I don't have that same sort of mindset that they do that they do
6: I mean this open borders agenda is insane if you look at what's happening in Europe
2: oh of course and that's something I mean, I, it, it's yes go ahead
6: it, it just it's traumatizing to watch these nations are being
0: literally destroyed
2: it really is sir and i even told
0: katie
2: Katie hopkins mike who is from the uk she's another political analyst and very controversial in her own right i do love her very much that's katie hopkins out there in the uk i even told her Mm -hmm. on this program i said katie the us is going to quickly become very much like the uk but now i take Uh it back the u s already has become the u k lots mm. of people being gunned down killed uh all sorts of nasty things happening to people, very much like it's happening out there in the u k so the problem is already here in our own backyards
0: today if if, well, if I may just just add it to one go I just ahead wanna say one thing. Uh you know how everybody's talking about these 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 this invasion that's coming towards our border they talk about how they just want you know they want a better life and how many of them are lawyers and doctors and teachers that just want really so they <laughs> want to come they want to come to the, I'll tell you the pictures that I saw they didn't look like lawyers doctors and teachers to me
2: Oh Mike let me just stop you there and say if they were doctors and lawyers or aspiring doctors or lawyers CNN would have been interviewing these people
0: Yeah, and I really (laughs) doubt they're walking 2,000 miles to get to our border.
2: No, that's nonsense.
0: And the other thing is, this is the point I was trying to make. These people who are coming to our country who think they are entitled to walk through our border, they're, they're waving flags of their own country. So what makes you think they're going to assimilate to ours? And what makes you think Correct. that they're coming here for our country? Why aren't they waving American flags? Secondly, do you really think that their country would let, I don't know, a, a, a caravan of Canadians or Americans just trample through their borderline and want to live in their country? No. So why are we the people that got to let them into our country? Great point. How did they get asylum well, how do they get asylum when people that have wanted to become citizens have waited a decade or more to even have to pay to become an American citizen? Very arrogant. people get it for free, that's not right.
2: Very arrogant indeed. And, Caller, go ahead. Did you have something to add there?
6: Well, you know, um I myself am an immigrant from Europe, and, you know, we went through the refugee process. And I mean <laughs>
2: – And I'm sure it was a pain in the ass, too.
6: It, well, yeah, I was locked up in locked up in a sort of holding area for a month, and we came maybe five kilometers away from the other country, which was Austria. So to see all these people from the third world just descending and the borders collapsing, it's it's very scary. It's very concerning. I mean.
0: That's true. No, I pray and for yet, Europe. Do you, see, do you see the Democrat politicians stepping up to say, well, here, we'll put down the money um, so that we can take care of these people? No. All they want to do is have the taxpayers pay for them. I don't want to pay for them. That's exactly
5: right.
6: And I mean, uh, at least my country is one of the few countries in Europe putting up resistance to this, but – uh
0: is that Poland? You know, uh, we're a
6: small country, uh, Slovakia. Oh,
0: okay. All right. Yeah.
6: But we're a small country and the EU is big and powerful and, you know, they have ways and, uh, they're already trying to give it to Hungary. They, uh, had a commission meeting and they're considering suspending Hungary's voting rights and taking away a lot of their, um, a lot of the f- financial help they've been giving Hungary.
0: Well look at Poland. Poland is the only the only country in Europe that will not let any of the Muslim m- migrants into their country. And they're fine. Yeah. Well, uh
6: I think with Poland they need to cater to them a little bit because of this thing they got going with Russia. And they want to put NATO bases there. They might be a little bit lighter on Poland. I'm not sure exactly, but uh I know the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Poland and Hungary have stood opposed to this, but I think they're just going to pick the countries off one by one. Makes it easier than taking them on as a group.
0: You know what's scary out of all of this is that the world is no longer a giant place. It has become smaller by the year within the last 20 years. and. Everybody knows all what, all the business about what's going on in every country. The, the Internet has brought the world into a smaller place. Everybody's a critic. Everybody's a journalist. Everybody's got an opinion, and that's really messing things up too.
6: I guess that's why they're pushing the censorship so hard.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. On, the,
6: on my YouTube and Facebook. I mean, uh
2: of the many channels
6: I was following were, were deplatformed. And uh it's just scary to see.
2: It really it is. is you know? Yeah, it, it is, because it reminds you that the Wild West of the Internet is slowly fading each and every day, soon to be very much like the communists out there.
6: Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. If they can't uh, control the narrative, they just want to shut it down, and that's what it looks like they're doing.
2: Yeah, it's awful, really. It, it, it really does have me perturbed. I don't like it. I don't like the the social justice warriors out there, the NPC types. I, I don't like any of yeah. that. I, it really is disturbing well, to see.
6: It's mental illness. <laughs> it's a form of mental illness. I have Absolutely. to believe. They're constantly. <laughs> yes.
5: they're constantly
6: getting these politically correct updates every <sighs> month from the media,
0: that's and ridiculous. that's what they're parroting. And that's going to be the that's going to be the death of us in this country's political correctness because. Yes it just doesn't work like socialism it just doesn't work every other country in the whole world uh with the exception of england they're they're not politically correct they're look there 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 is certain standards that a country needs to abide by in order to keep that country alive um you know we yeah. need to keep our culture we need to keep our language and the problem is everybody that's politically correct is so they, they, it's like they got something to prove Oh, we gotta be good to this one. Why? They're not good to us in their country. Yeah. You know.
6: So it seems like there's a huge agenda behind this and these people are just brainwashed program sheep going along with somebody's big, big, big agenda.
2: I agree. Amen on that. And you know,
6: I mean, I hope we can wake, wake up enough people. That's why shows like yours, Michael, are good to listen to and people can, uh, get informed but uh it it's really up to people are they gonna it, it
2: really is and watch I,
6: CNN and let their brain rot or are they gonna you know watch shows like yours for example
2: I agree 100% with that notion you really can't trust corporate america to feed you any sort of truth especially the big networks out there the Fox News the CNN the NBC ABC the list goes on all of them are controlled by the same source and it's just you you cannot trust any of these people. They all have an agenda. I'm transparent with everyone out there. I'm not a part of any political party. I'm completely bipartisan. However, I will call a spade a spade.
0: You know what, Michael? Mm-hmm. I think just as many people are beginning to wait, just as many people that are uh, out there um, trying to change things with this whole liberal thing and hate the president and all that shit – I think just as many people are are beginning to wake up and realize what's being fed and shoved down our throats through the media and the politicians on the left. I believe that they're finally starting to see, you know what, these people are full of shit.
2: Slowly that's happening right now, and we definitely are the minority in terms of being open-minded and observing what's truly happening uh, in the nation and with society. Definitely we are – That very small percentage, the rest of America, the intellectually bankrupt, as I like to refer to them, the the society, the individuals in society with the lights on, but no one's home. There's no sort of, there's no sort of hint of any critical thinking going on in between their ears. And they kind of just follow the rest of their herd, the mainstream news, everything mainstream, everything, uh, in pop culture. These individuals follow, and they're completely oblivious to what's going on in the world, as long as they could get home at at their certain time and watch their favorite television show and eat their favorite TV dinner. That's all they care about. Get on Facebook. Well, those individuals out there, those are the ones that I want to reach. How, how the hell do we reach those out there who are completely oblivious? It's like everything?
0: just said, they're mentally deranged. Mentally deranged. They they believe this this ideology that they have is the right way, and they want to change the country on things that have been working perfect for god knows how many years—60, uh, 70 years, 80 years—and they want to just change everything and tell us telling us, look at this anti nonsense, bullshit, radical idiots. They they're yeah. now they're hell bent on uh, starting a communist wave and rebelling in this country. They're like, they're, they're, they're wearing masks, they're getting guns, and they think, they honestly think that their rebellion is going to overtake this country and we're going to become a communist country. I mean, how, how blind do you have to be to understand that that is not going to happen in this country?
6: And you know, the scary thing is, is these people are being fed a diet of neo-Trotskyism. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well (laughs) said. Good call. (laughs) Yeah.
6: Trotskyism.
2: By the way, caller, I'm curious now. Do you have anything else to add before we cut you No, no. Here? I'll
6: let you guys go. I'll let you guys go, and uh you can get can a new caller. You, man. Thank you for putting you. on a great show.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for the call. That was a uh, terrific there. Yes. Thank okay. You. Thank you very much. Call back anytime you want, Goodbye. my friend. Bye bye. Have a good night. Bye. And there he goes. A great gentleman and a great call. He's so right on a lot of things. And of course, Mike, we are. Winding down in time here, we are at the final stretch, and that reminds me, Mike. I wanted to ask you about one Alec Baldwin. Apparently, he got into a fight recently. When did he turn into some sort of tough guy?
0: Oh, he's been a tough guy for for years. He's always talking out of his ass about. But is how he, he really?
2: Can... But is he really a tough guy?
0: I don't know. I don't, I don't know. About you know that. what? I've seen him in movies. I like his his acting, but. I, it, you know what? These are just actors. Yeah, what's he doing? Just like this Robert De Niro, um, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. They're actors. They're just like these friggin' news, these news, uh, uh, these newscasters. They're, they're all, the newscasters are out for like Academy Awards or whatever the hell you call them. And the actors think that they've got rights to political comments. They're actors. Nothing more. And so many people tend to listen to them like they know what the hell they're talking about. No, leave the politics out of acting, leave it out of Hollywood. But oh man, it, this this country is just so screwed up right now. And it's it, like you said earlier, you said it all comes down to common sense or something to that effect. And 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 yeah. these people don't have common common. The lack sense.
2: of common sense is very real in America.
0: The the hating on on our president. Look. He's our president. He won fair and square, and they can't get over that.
2: That's the reality. That's the reality. Right.
0: right. And all the dummies that said, oh, if Trump becomes president, I'm moving out of the country. Well, you're still here. Get the hell out.
2: All kinds of different celebrities would echo the same thing, yet they're still in America.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing.
2: Yeah, it's really silly. And one thing I've always said, Mike. And I've been completely transparent with this. Some of the things that I don't like about Trump is the simple fact that I blame him for the whole reality, the TV, the reality TV stuff. The whole reality TV uh, type of programming that we have today, way back from 2006 is when it really was full bore. And I I hold Donald Trump personally responsible for all that nonsense.
0: Okay. that being said, and you know what, I, I'll give you that.
2: But don't you okay. agree? He kind of
0: to to an extent. An extent I, he to, sort to of. He
2: sort. He is sort of that guy that really kicked off that sort of generation.
0: I, well, I I can't say for sure, but I'll I'll give you that point if, if that's what you feel strongly about. Fine, but let me let me. Ask but it's you not guys. a hate.
2: It's not a hate. Okay. I don't have any okay. hate that, in my heart. That, that's fine. That's fine.
0: It's your opinion, right? But what I'm what I'm getting at is this: since he's been president, tell me you have not. Read or heard about all the things he has done, which he's done more for this country in two years than any of the presidents up, up until before, uh, I believe it was Clinton. All of them, nothing compared to what he's done in ten, in two years. And, and just so you know for the record, I don't agree with everything he says. I've got my issues on a couple of things, but I will say this. He's done more than the last four or five presidents together. He has done what he said, and he keeps his word. So what's the problem? The the The, con- the comments about Hitler, Nazi, racism, white supremacist, homophobic, uh, Muslim phobic, I, I, I don't see it. I've never seen it.
2: Yeah, those are issues that don't really pertain to me and in, in my personal perspective on the, the, the wider spectrum of the universe. Those sort of things I I don't really care about, but he really has done a lot for the country. That is something I can't say and can't exactly deny. The fact that he is, the fact that he is sort of, from my perspective, very serious about cutting down the pedophiles out there. Sure. I, I really do appreciate that sort of thing, and he's someone who, if I remember correctly, back in 2012, he sort of tweeted out about uh the death penalty for pedophiles out there those perverts out there and i agree i'm actually someone who would definitely be for that sort of thing if you go and abduct a child and you rape them i definitely so, think you should get the death penalty for that
0: so you're a person who sees what we used to see in this country as law and order correct I mean, there was a time i do when, that, yeah. yeah there was a time when everybody didn't Give a hard time to the police. Like, if you have a problem, who do you call? You call the police. Ghostbusters.
2: I mean the Ghostbusters. police. Ghostbusters. Yes.
0: <laughs> so if something goes wrong for these people like Antifa, let's say, I don't know, somebody breaks into their car, somebody mugs them, who are they gonna call? Cause they don't like the police. They're, apparently to them, all police are pigs, That's true. and they need to fry in a bacon, a fry like bacon. So if something goes down, who are they gonna call? Uh, Who are well, they going to deal with?
2: Well, Mike, those people that complain the most, they always are the first to call the police.
0: Right. <laughs>
2: Thank you. I'm Thank serious. You. It happens all the time. Even rappers do that.
0: Yeah. It, I, I, it's, it, they're so full of shit, and they're such hypocrites.
2: By the way, Mike, I'm sorry to put you on hold there, but there is another soul calling in. Uh, caller, you are live and direct with myself and Mr. Mike Hideous. How can we help you?
3: Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for taking the call. I just want to say you're just a horrible host. Thank you. Uh, I've been listening to you. Yeah, you're welcome. I've been listening to I'm you not for very like good. the past. No, you're, you're not. I'm, I'm awful. I'll tell you why. Go ahead. Yeah,
4: you're awful.
2: I suck. I know.
4: <laughs> Are you going to let me talk?
2: Well, go ahead. It's your show. Asshole. Thank you.
4: Um, wow. you're welcome.
3: Um, I've been listening to you for about four shows now because I wanted to give you a fair shake.
2: But why didn't you stop listening uh, the first first time, you fucking retard? (laughs) Why didn't you just stop listening the first time that you didn't like the show, you fucking idiot? (laughs) I mean, what kind of person are you that listens to someone they don't like for four times in a row thinking, well, it's going to get better tomorrow. Well, if I suck then, what makes you think I'm not going to suck later on?
3: You know, I was hoping you would actually improve yourself a little bit.
2: Well, maybe I I can't. Maybe this is the best I could do. Have you ever thought about that?
3: You don't even get control of your house. You don't even confront your guests.
2: How can I confront them? They go on and on, and maybe they agree with a lot of the things I say, and maybe I agree with a lot of the things they say.
3: A green, a green, a green, I'll tell you what, if Heather Wade was up here, she would actually show you what a great fucking host is. Yeah, I agree. Maybe critter. she should be here
2: and host this it's program. Yeah, I would love if she did that. I'll swear, too. Well, Parker. you could go ahead and swear. It's fine. Probably touch kids, too, huh? You touch kids? Wait, what? No, I said, yeah, I don't understand this caller. He just went crazy there. he still on? No, he left already. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he he calls in. He calls in every now and then.
0: Oh, so you know this guy?
2: I don't exactly know him, but he Not personally. But not you know personally. Me, you've heard him before. Yeah, he calls in and I'm not exactly sure why.
0: Well, that makes no sense. I I think what he was about to say was he had listened to you like four times and he was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt per se, lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And but I mean, I kind of I have to kind of agree with you in the sense that If you don't like the host, why would you listen?
2: Why listen?
0: You know, like I've I've listened to shows, and if I don't like them, I turn it off.
2: I turn the shit off if I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I'll turn it off and move on. I don't necessarily feel the need that I have to contact that host and tell them that I don't like them. You know, whatever. I mean, if that's his gig, you know, then that's his gig. Yeah,
2: he calls in every other show trying to get in here for some reason. What was his name? I don't know his name personally, but I do have his number.
0: Wow. Yeah.
2: I'm not really into doxing people or anything of that nature. But, yeah, it's okay, though. Some people want to do that, and the thing is that guy is actually a troll. (laughs) He's not really being serious. I mean, some of the the dumbest shit just came out of his mouth, and uh, he's obviously not being serious with what he was just saying.
0: He said something too about swearing. Like, I mean, you, you're allowed to swear on these. You can internet. say
2: whatever you want.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you even you even told me that. I think the last two or three times I was on because I even stopped myself. I was dropping the f bomb too, and and you were like, "Don't worry about it. It's okay. You can do it on this station uh, on the internet." Rather, he I, it seemed that it, that he um wasn't aware of that. I, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not sure.
2: I don't, I don't really know. know. It doesn't really matter, though. I mean, that guy's a loser. (laughs) He's a loser in life. Wow. And I would kill myself if I was him. (laughs) It's true. I told him before when he called my phone. Wow. I said, you should probably kill yourself instead of calling me the way you do.
0: How many times has he called?
2: He's called a, a lot of times. I think that guy is seriously damaged in his own head.
0: Wow. Well, you know what? If you don't like the show, you should just not listen to it. It's as simple as that. Why Why aggravate yourself?
2: Or you know? he could call in so I could give him another, another tongue lashing here.
0: Another tongue lashing?
2: <laughs> sure. The guy was a retard, and he got treated like one.
6: Yeah. Wow.
2: But that's okay. You know, I was already... Doing a show before with someone who was like taking care of a special needs child. Yeah. So I could handle idiots like that. No problem. I, I love that sort of thing. It's too bad he left there.
0: And you know what, Mike, that, that it's cool that you said that, but what gets me is that when you started talking back to him, right? The guy calls up tells you you're an asshole and you don't do a good job as a host. Okay. That's your first insult, right? So now when you start talking back to him and telling him how you feel about him, he took us, like, he took offense to that. And, and that kind of right there that I knew this wasn't a two-way conversation. He, he was upset that you were, you know, defending yourself. Whereas he comes on the radio right off the bat and tells you, uh, you're a lousy host and don't know what you're doing. And then when you fire back, he didn't like that. So I, that was. I didn't see that as a two way conversation.
2: No, well, he's a nobody. Of course, it's not a two way conversation. <laughs> I mean, you got to be really stupid to try and take me on one on one here on on this program. It's not. It's not going to end well for you.
0: Right? I would never do it. <laughs>
2: no, it's not a very smart move. And again, I would love for him to call back, but he's a pussy, so you're not going to hear him again. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. So, Mike, another thing I did want you to weigh in on was the fact that. Mr. Whitey Bulger's gone.
0: Help me out here. Well, who? You you don't know who that is? I know the name. I can't think of who it is yeah, right the, now. The mob, what is that?
2: The, the mob
0: man. Oh, the mob guy. Yeah, he got killed in prison, didn't he? That's right. You know what? I heard that on the news, what was it, Friday, Thursday? Um. They whacked had, him. So he did get whacked.
2: He got whacked. Whitey Bulger, criminal thug rat in and out of uh, prison. Oh, shit. Yeah he got god did, did
0: they did they do a movie about him i'm pretty sure they did
2: i could have sworn yeah. there was one about him but that guy lived a pretty wild life
0: that's that's not the guy who they based goodfellas on is it did they base that movie around him there's a guy who's in um witness protection whose name escapes me but i believe he was the one that they uh based goodfellas on
2: uh, you, you I mean, know well, you might be right I don't exactly remember the story.
0: Well, when I heard that, I didn't exactly like it. Didn't click right away who the guy was, but I knew that there was some association with mob and gangsters and all that crap. And and I I didn't I, I really didn't know all my history about it. So so what were you gonna say about it? So yeah, he's dead. So what up?
2: Yeah, I'm just wanted your opinion on that since I know, you know you you know your way around New York. I thought you might have heard of this man and some of the things he did way back when.
0: I didn't. I didn't know much about him. Um, I've heard the name. I just didn't. I got to be honest. I just did not know his history.
2: Right. And uh, yeah, he was a very, very bad man. And it's very strange that they actually took him out. Holy shit.
0: Yeah. Prison. uh Prison. They'll get you there too. They I know. Even
2: th- even in prison, they'll get you still.
0: Oh, sure. they probably got more guys in prison that can get you than on the outside.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty wild shit there. Uh, You just don't ever expect that sort of thing to happen.
0: Well, why not? Look at Dahmer got killed. Um, I think it was somebody... Well, not
2: him. I just never figured they would get that guy the way they did.
0: Oh, you mean that particular man. Right. Yeah,
2: Yeah. yeah, holy shit.
0: I don't know, Michael. I don't have a, a response to that for you. That's okay.
2: I just thought it was very interesting that someone like that even in prison could they they'll get you if they want you gone the mafia will take you out they'll find you yeah and if there if anyone uh, is affiliated with the mafia call in <laughs> well yeah definitely call in and definitely don't try to kill me <laughs> would appreciate that jesus but yeah my, hey, michael yeah go ahead
0: by the way uh, uh, did i tell you i adopted a new parrot
2: did you really what's his name
0: his name is sergeant Again. Well, no no no, the first one was Captain. Oh, that was one Captain. Yeah, Captain died in December uh last year. And uh I I got to be honest, I without having a parrot around, um I had a better time with the parrot in my house than I did with my ex-girlfriend.
2: Now, I don't blame you for
4: that.
0: Yeah. So this this poor bird, it's a blue gold macaw, uh beautiful bird. Unfortunately, he was I'm not going to say abused, but more neglected. And as a result, he, he plucked out his feathers, um, on his chest. So now my goal right now is to rehabilitate this bird and to uh, get him to grow his feathers back again. And he's doing really great. I just thought I'd throw that in there, um, because Captain had died. It's going to be a year on December 7th. And uh, I just got this bird about three weeks ago, Thursday, and I'm very excited about it. Very nice.
2: I know. Oh. Cool. Yeah. I know you love that bird very much.
0: Uh, I miss him so much, man. Captain was the best bird I ever had.
2: Yeah, I remember hearing him on the program a couple of times too.
0: Yep, yep. I lost three of my favorite birds in seven months. I lost, I lost Captain first in December. In January, I lost my very first parakeet and one of my favorite birds, Blue Boy. And then in June, I lost my cockatiel, Dorian. Uh, both Blue Boy and Dorian both died right in my hands.
2: Yeah, that sucks, Mike.
0: Yeah. 7 months, 3 birds.
2: Good lord. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. very very
0: sorry to hear that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bad year, man. I'm waiting for it to be over.
2: Yeah, it's almost over though. Yep. Not too far from it. Yep. And speaking of which, we definitely are coming to a close here. I'm looking at the time. My god. Yes. We've almost we've almost been here for 4 hours now.
0: Oh my. Well, a long Michael, time. I I'm going to let you go then. I want to say thank you. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. We should talk on the phone, uh, you know, off the show at some point when you get an opportunity, um, to catch up with you more.
2: Yeah. There's a lot to talk about. A lot of things we didn't really get to catch up on here, but I'm sure we could talk about it, uh, off air. No doubt.
0: Please. I, 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 I'd I'd like to get, you know, talk a little bit more with you at some point.
2: Yeah, no problem. Um,
0: But I want to say thank you as usual. I always have a wonderful time when I'm on your show. And I just love, I love talking to you and, and your, your, your callers, most of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the pussies out there.
0: I'm not. <laughs> not with you as I always don't. Yeah, not. don't worry. Uh, but thank you for having me, man. I, I really appreciate it.
2: No problem, Mike. Stay gold and we'll do this again next time.
0: Right on. You got it, brother. All right, Mike. Take care. Take care right. of yourself. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Good night.
2: And there he goes, Mike Hideous. And I want to thank all of you out there very much for being a part of the program, listening in, calling in. Really do appreciate all of you out there. And don't forget, I will be back next week, live and direct yet again. Go to michaeldeacon.com for all details out there. And, of course, thank you to those listening on the regular stream. Oh, I still see you out there. I really do appreciate you guys just listening to the show and of course those on youtube it was fun i definitely hope all of you out there enjoyed the program i'm michael deacon thanks for listening and with that said the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery until next time good night everybody
1: we got to put a best of on drew we're gonna lose every station we have a sucks Who is your daddy uh, and what does he do End of days.
0: The freedom of speech is being taken away. What do you think
1: happens?
2: And after
1: they die? I don't know. Like, do you believe in heaven? I never do. I know all I need to know. Now I do. End of
5: days. I have the day. judgment day. The end of the world. You well, know friend.